You're listening to Flux Pod. My name is Matt Perpetua. This episode is Flopuary. This was originally released as a mini series on the Flux blog Patreon. If you uh, throw $5 a month at the uh, Flux blog, <laughs> patreon.com slash Flux blog. I'm just trying to like make things as difficult to say as possible for myself. Um, so yeah, there's, there's a bunch of mini series that have gone on. There's going to be some new ones coming up. I did Led Zeppelin with uh, Sean Collins. I did one with uh, Chris Conroy. That's about all entirely about U2's uh, misunderstood album Pop. But this one right here is one I did with uh, Molly Mary O'Brien, who you would know from and introducing and and some other episodes of of this very show. Uh, Molly is one of my favorite people in the world. And we got together and we talked flops. Uh, a history of flops, uh, what does it mean to flop, uh, famous flops. This is all flop, 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 flop. It's really fun. I think we got to some interesting ideas. And I'm going to give it to you all in one go, right here in one big track, all lumped together. <laughs> and uh, you can just enjoy it all together. And uh, if you like this kind of vibe, if you like this, then you know, smash that subscribe button. There's a whole bunch of others. And there's going to be some new miniseries coming up soon. Uh, it's kind of hard to do a, a regular season and a miniseries at the same time. But uh, well, I'll figure that out eventually. But there's going to be some cool stuff coming up. So here we go. This is Flopuary. This is a th- uh, three or four part series. We'll, we'll see how it goes in editing uh, featuring Molly O'Brien. Molly, say hi. Hi. Hello. How's it going? Are you having, are you anticipating a flopuary, Matthew? <laughs> Personally? Yeah. Um, I, I, think, I think I'm actually kind of set up to do okay this February. <laughs> nice. But I mean, actually, if anything, I feel like I might be like emerging flum up uh, from I'm I'm going to screw up all of the way I'm talking, which will, which is itself a small flop era. Yeah, um, I feel Love like I'm wearing, I feel like really. I'm emerging from a flop era in some ways. That's good. That's good. As someone may, needs to. I mean, maybe like you know, that's maybe all of COVID is just one planet wide flop era. We are definitely collectively in our flop era right now. I actually think it started before. I mean, you could argue whether like Trump brought in a flop era, but it's we've we've certainly been in one for a while as a as a population. I think that you can say, if nothing at all, Trump is a major United States flop era. Yes, yes, and he certainly brought about like the re- the response on both sides to Trump stuff. I think is pretty pretty floppy. Oh yeah, no one was not flopping in that period of time, <laughs> including including myself, my yeah. ideas, my thoughts. Yeah, yeah. Um, but Molly, people will know Molly from and introducing things like that. Yes. You're an expert. You're an expert on pop music and pop culture. Thank you. I'll take, I'll take that expert status. I feel like you've earned it. Thank you. I I mean, what is this? Yes, I have been in, I've been grinding for a while right now. So you're on like year four of, uh, and or, or is it year five? 
fifth calendar year of of the and introducing podcast i mean that's like a doctorate yeah sure i have a phd a a lot of reading this is this is my master's education is just reading a bunch of books um but i don't get any grades and uh and uh, nor do I take on any of the psychic damage that seems to result from graduate degrees. So I actually am feeling pretty good about that. I remember uh, being on a date once and being told uh, it was, I was explaining like the, the, the survey stuff that I do, the, the, the year playlist. Mm-hmm. And I was like, it sounds like you're basically just doing like a, a graduate thesis project. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I don't know, I guess so. <laughs> Well, like, a, so. you know, independent study. I got to say, two two words put together that really make my heart sing are independent study. So um, I, can, I can definitely see that. So, Molly, what does it mean to flop? Oh, boy. Oh, flopping. I mean, it, to me, the basic definition of it, at least as it relates to music, but I think maybe also more generally, is flopping is you once succeeded in something or at least you once perceived you were perceived to be successful in something and then all of a sudden for a certain time period hopefully a a one that has an end you are not succeeding at that same thing you are flopping uh it could be you know you could have a string of hit songs and then uh have a, a string of failed songs you could have a string of extremely hit songs and then you could have a string of maybe just okay hit songs and people still see that as your your flop era. Right, because you're competing um, you against could, yourself. Yeah, you could you could uh have, you know, a job and uh plans for 2020 and then uh, COVID-19 <laughs> takes over and then uh, all the things that you had planned got canceled. That's that's flopping too. So yeah, it, c- it could come from within, could come from without, but it's the uh it's it's got to be failure it's not just you can't just be failing the whole time that's then you're then you're not flopping you're just you're just failing flopping yeah there has to be a a, there has to be some level of success because if you're just trying and not succeeding that's just trying and not succeeding it's a completely different category right flop it's a kind of flopping is a privilege in some ways because it is it is a sign that at one point someone (laughs) was a fan of what you were doing and then now, now not so much yeah I'm thinking like, you know, applying it to just like normal life. I think maybe mm-hmm. you can kind of look at being like laid off from a job as entering a flop era. Laid off from a job. Yeah. Because uh, re- like things where like you've, you had a, you had something going and then it falls apart, yeah. whether it's your fault or not. Yeah, totally. I think uh, relationships falling apart, that's a, that you can consider that a flop era. Yeah, or even ha- yeah, having a relationship that is, is still going, but it's, it's not going well, and you're in a state of uh, depression and delusion, that's, that's also flopping. Yeah, I imagine like most super long-term relationships go through flop eras that they come out yes. of and then go back into them. Yeah, I actually th- I think that's, a, that's part of a marriage vows is like, you know, in... For richer <laughs> in or poorer. For richer <laughs> or poorer. Or in a flo- yeah, for better or for worse is basically uh, in... Um, well, what's the what's the opposite of a flop era? Is is there a word for well, that, or is it only defined? In if the you're negative? like a chartnerd, you'd say imperial phase. Oh God, that's interesting. Oh, okay. I hate that term, but that, that's basically that? it. Like that's basically the idea that you are it's when you when you've reached a level of success where it kind of gives you a blank check to do okay. bigger things. So. 
like a, I think a really good example of that would be uh, Lady Gaga once she comes out of the fame, when she goes into the fame monster and born this way, like all mm. of that is imperial phase for Lady Gaga. Sure, that makes but sense. Inevitably, she gets flop eras, and then you know <laughs> she her career is kind of like had like these peaks and valleys now, where I think people now just because she's been able to come back a couple times over, you know, people just think of her as like oh she's just always successful. <laughs> It all kind yeah. of gets flattened down. Yeah, which is the relief in a way. I I definitely participated. I'm sure we'll get into this in a while, but I was part of the uh, rhetoric of the art pop flop era where I heard it and was like, oh, this isn't for me. Or like, oh, this isn't, you know, like Lady Gaga, it, I think was one of those people who was competing against herself because she kind of kept one-upping the weirdness and the strangeness and the way she flopped was like both not being weird enough and maintaining too much strangeness and then she got where she was but yeah now she's uh she's basically just surfing a wave of uh <laughs> of um avant-garde pop and then like tony bennett <laughs> yeah tony and then bennett, like you know, and she, obviously like go, she's a movie star yeah she'll kind of run the like she'll run between the bases of like trying to win an oscar trying to make weird dance music and then doing kind of like offshoot projects hopefully for the rest of her life Maybe yeah i think she's like she's she's got her eye on that egot oh for sure <laughs> I, I you know thinking about this now like it's actually kind of surprising she didn't like come up with some big song to go with uh house of gucci yeah is was that i i didn't see house of gucci yet i which is to you know much to my uh personal shame it sounded like the music in that was 80s right or yeah, like, it's 70s, like period 80s. music but it would the be problem funny with if it, recorded yeah. the, the weird problem of that movie is that the timeline of that movie is completely out of sync with the music they use so the music they uh -huh. use will insinuate that you know their marriage which happens in the 70s but it's set to george michael's faith Mm -hmm. and it just has a powerful late 80s vibe and like oh they got married in the late 80s you know <laughs> but yeah it's like that movie has very very uh weird issues with music even if the music yeah. i feel like are they're good vibe choices but they're terrible choices in terms of grounding the viewer in any kind of chronology that they might <laughs> understand That'd be like playing, uh, you know, Fortunate Son or something. And it's like, yeah, you know, the late 70s were uh, a crazy time in America. <laughs> Disco fever. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah, I think that is part of it. Because, like, the songs they were using were, like, it's not like they're using any songs from the 80s. It was, like, they were using, like, super iconic songs that you would associate with particular moments in the 80s. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that would drive that would drive me crazy. And I, I, I don't I, just say that as a person who's done like these like cr chronology projects. Yeah, I feel like that's sure. like anyone would kind of have a basic understanding that like yeah, George Michael equals making. late '80s. Yeah, totally. I was gonna say it would have been funny if Gaga had made a song like an '80s style song under like a a pen name, kind of like a Garth Brooks, uh, Chris Gaines kind of thing of like what if what if I were around in the '80s. Uh, but named it, you know, something non Lady Gaga. I think that, I think that would be cool. You know, funny that I mentioned George Michael just then, because George Michael, I think, is an example of a major artist who kind of self induced flop era. 
Okay. When like, now I'm I'm less familiar with his like career arc. When did he do that? Okay, so basically the arc of George Michael is that you know he comes out with Wham and Wham has a whole bunch of hits, but you know it's like, right from the start. It's like oh this guy has to go solo, and like there are Wham songs that were issued basically as George Michael solo songs, like Careless Whisper. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he goes solo with uh, Faith. Faith is like one of the biggest records of the whole decade. It has like five or six massive hits on it. Um, Mm -hmm. And then he is free king out. (laughs) It is like he is just kind of at his wits end. So uh, they may he makes listen without prejudice. Part one never made a part two. People never really follow through on those part ones. Oh, man. He's really chronicles volume oneing that uh, that concept. That's too bad. Yeah. I wonder who was the first to do that. I mean, I know Hall and Oates like have uh, Rock and Soul Part One. That was their first greatest never, hits they album. They never part two'd. Never part two'd, though they definitely had hits that they could have put on a part two. Weird. Anyway, George Michael with Listen Without Prejudice uh, Part One. That has uh, Freedom 90 and it has mm-hmm. Praying for Time. Praying for Time is the first single, but he's like, I, I want to get away from my image. I want to get away from MTV. So I will make videos for these songs, but I will not be in them. Uh-huh. <laughs> and he yeah. and he's just kind of like, you know, really going in on his own terms. I think, you know, Pearl Jam does this uh, a few years later. Yeah. Where it's like, I'm going to actively disengage with MTV. And then I'm just going to just do things on my own terms. Ima- imagine uh, turning away from a, one of the largest like promotional muscles of of your of your career just because you're like tired of being uh being observed and uh you know turned into an image i mean but that's what that song freedom 90 is about that's about him like confronting i mean look he has the lines about mtv in it and like when when you shake your ass they notice fast that some mistakes are built to last you know um like the whole song it's just about like regretting being as successful as you are yeah. Um, but yeah, he, he basically self-induced flop era because, I mean, those were two really big songs. But, you know, from there out, you know, once you bite the hand that feeds you, they really stop putting their hand out. People people don't forget. Is something like a, a long absence between albums also somewhat of a self-induced flop of just removing yourself from the like, like pop like, cultural conversation? Like D'Angelo or My Bloody Valentine. Frank Ocean, or, Rihanna. Fra- I think D'Angelo maybe because D'Angelo was really going through it for a very long time. Yeah. I think that's probably also the case for my bloody Valentine in some way. Mm-hmm. I think Frank Ocean and Rihanna just like to work at this pace and it's not quite as glacial or like Fiona yeah. Apple. I don't think really has flop eras. No, I think I she would, just kind of, she just kind of so. stops for a while. I think those are just <laughs> artists who just do things on their own terms. I, I don't think, I mean, I think notably because they create that desire and because they take their time and they end up like, you know, with these very strong catalogs, they're kind of artists who by ducking out evade flop eras. Cause if my bloody Valentine mm-hmm. put out another record in like 1998 or something or 97 or something like why, like they're, assumed to do or even like 95 god the record came in 1991 i don't i mean i bought that record in 1995 and it, it was four years old but it felt like oh my god they're never gonna do anything again are they <laughs> at that time <laughs> um 
but yeah, I think, uh, you know, if they had just made another record, it probably wouldn't have been a special people probably probably would have diminished, uh, loveless to some degree. Um, I think, I mean, I don't know. I'm always very, not all the time, but there's definitely artists who I feel like very suspicious of them. Like, like the neutral milk hotel guy, I feel like is deathly afraid of, uh, ruining what he's got. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's my read on that guy. It might okay. be unfair. I'm not, I, I actually have not, uh, checked up on the, the neutral milk hotel livers recently. There's Maybe nothing that... to check in on. He just occasionally, <laughs> he just occasionally tours and that's it. Huh? Well, yeah. he's a, so, recluse. Sounds a little floppy to me. Sounds, sounds a little, uh, borderline floppy. Yeah. So, oh God, I think there's, um, who, who do you think has like the kind of iconic flop eras? Who's an artist who's almost kind of defined by having flop eras? It's a good question. I mean, Lady Gaga, as we said, I think one that I've been thinking about more recently who had like an epic flop era was Mariah Carey, whose autobiography or memoir, I can't remember what she billed it as, we both read um that 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 there was something about her flop era occurring basically in the form of i don't think she admitted in the book that it was a mental breakdown so much as uh well uh, who can say well, uh, it was also like career it, sabotage from her ex-husband to a large it was extent career sabotage that induced uh some you know erratic behavior that ended with her getting put more or less against her will in an institution but then it happened right around 9-11 that it kind of happened it was part of the induced flop era of america uh that you know oh shit uh both mariah carey and america were sort of put put in their place by forces beyond their uh personal power or comprehension so that i think that's uh especially since it occurred you know mariah carey's i think flop era happened via the infamous TRL uh, appearance where she showed up, uh, pushed an ice cream cart around, and then... Uh, and she was, like, wearing removed. Daisy Dukes, yeah, which wasn't even like, new short for shorts. her. Yeah, that's a, that was, like... like the a, fantasy a video or whatever. Like, like she's... Or, God, like, a mid-90s video is, like, a, maybe even Emotions or something. I can't remember which one it was, which she's kind of in a Daisy Dukes or in a field. Yeah, but yeah, was it wasn't really a new thing for her. Like, but there's um, something about the proportions of the outfit that I think maybe did seem a little odd, where it was like very small shorts and like a very large top. Which now that's just how uh, girls dress yeah. <laughs> is, a, is like the the super oversized top and and small bottoms. But 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 that uh, was also kind of an era where everything was kind of getting like super bimbofied, and yes. people were both like really into it and also kind of like appalled. Right. It was and, a, you know, Carson Daly playing both sides of the fence there. Yeah, that that guy was that guy was being being shady. He he perhaps owes her an apology. I'm not sure if he said any, anything about it any which way. So, yeah, Mar Mariah Carey, because she came back, I think, again, that's the, the key to the flop error is that she eventually did come back uh, bigger and better than ever with uh, the tunes, the vocals, uh, the range, the runs, everything. So I think that that's someone who you know, in, in worse circumstances could have just gone away forever. I think um, there's a lot of like major artists where the flop era is it's just crucial to the overall story of them. And yes. I think there's a lot of artists who don't necessarily have a flop era and it doesn't, it makes it so their story is kind of boring. 
Unless yeah. you're the Beatles. The Beatles are a band that never had a flop era, but they're also a band that kind of like was finite and uh, they could have had a flop eras. I mean, they all had flop eras outside of the Beatles. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh yeah, it's actually kind of amazing because even like George who comes out of the Beatles like this guns ablazing immediately just goes into flop era that he never really comes out of. He really <laughs> just had the one record. Oh God, the I mean another I'm sure we'll we'll we could talk about her more in a bit, but uh, a current flop era uh, person I would say is Katy Perry. Who yeah. is, we're going to talk a uh, lot it, about Katy Perry later. We'll talk a lot about her, but I think part of the problem is that she she hasn't, I would say, not come out of the flop era that she's been in for five years, maybe longer. Uh, I think it kind of depends on like whether you consider the hit, the, the, the singles on, um, what's the one? Witness. Yeah, you consider Witness. those songs to be hits or not. And I think if you, I was looking at her Spotify numbers the other day and was kind of amazed that like a lot mm. of those singles from like even like up until the pretty recent past will still have like kind of monster numbers that do, that don't yeah. really kind of like jive with their cultural presence. So, yes. I mean, if nothing, Katy Perry has very loyal fans. Oh, yes. It does seem that way. The, the, what, what is her Stan Army called? uh kitty cats or something yeah not the best well i i won't pass any judgment one way or another i don't i don't think uh artists necessarily choose their their stan army names uh but we we should talk about standom too because i also feel like that's something that you know i'm most familiar with pop flops from the era of like my childhood till now but I think the idea of a flop has intensified with the use of social media and the use of social media as standums who are obsessed with numbers, uh, with quantitative uh, evidence and stats and are, you know, constantly seemingly getting in battles with each other and the mentions of tweets being like, oh, you know, so-and-so flopped, uh, per. <laughs> I mean, but <laughs> like, the, I the stands also really need to have like those flop records so they can like stand up for them and be like contrarian mm-hmm. about them and be like, you know, just uh, art pop almost throw out again. Uh, yeah. Like it, it's, it's iconic. Um, right. Which, but yeah, <laughs> I, I mean, I, I, I think that's that, a big that part of fandom, you know, like even is. like, I think even with like, uh, like one of my favorite bands of all time is pavement and pavements, uh, record wowie zowie was i guess like would be their flop era okay. um but it's like now be- <laughs> some degree because of people like me is now considered like just as much of a classic as the other ones so it's like mm-hmm. you know but that really is like the real pavement nerd choice wowie zowie have you perceived since the beginning of your personal music fandom days like, ha- have there low-key always been standums of certain kinds and they just express themselves in different ways pre, you know, Twitter pylons and, uh, you know, social, me- social media really changed everything with that okay. stuff. Because people just used to be like fans and they could be intense fans. They could be, uh, you know, and there would be like, I think even just like prior to social media when it's just like message boards and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um well, you're kind of all walled off gardens for the most part. So you're, you're just fighting amongst yourselves. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I think like, yeah, the dimension around all of this is so different. The whole the whole vibe is so different with social media. And I think, and I think it's really 
made a lot of things like much darker and much creepier than they were in the past. Sure. sure. Um, but I think, you know, thinking about like, well, what does it mean to flop now versus what does it mean to have flopped, you know, in different eras? I think that people were probably a little kinder. I think especially, you know, in the 60s and 70s and into a lot of the 80s where people were putting out records at, you know, a much faster clip than most people do now. Um, so, you know, it was like, okay, well, that one didn't do that great, but then they had big hits <laughs> on the next one, you know? Right, uh, yeah. Or, you know, this, uh, I think even like artists like uh, who have like a string of like big records, um, you know, they'll have, they'll have like, you know, a wilderness phase as people would call it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like David Bowie has a few wilderness phases, but, mm-hmm. you know, I do think that dying or breaking up really is makes people forgiving of, of uh, later material for sure. Yeah. Um, like sense. I think Prince and David Bowie, like just put out a lot of records of questionable uh, quality. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, once they died, it was like, nope, nope. The only things that, that ever happened with them were the good records. We just flattened right. the whole history down. Or I think right. like uh, after R.E.M. broke up, uh, you know, within a few years, like the records that people, you know, were so hard on for them being merely good as opposed to great, mm-hmm. um, you know, having made, you know, like eight to 10 really good records in a row, which is extremely uncommon, um, you know, people just eventually soften. They just kind of only see the good ones. And yeah. I think that kind of happens to everyone's career. Um, you know, I mean, you know, when you see like an artist die, and any you know the ultimate flop era <laughs> i don't think i don't think death is a flop era i don't <laughs> think right, death, yeah. i think death Depends is what the, you is, believe is going to happen afterwards i guess i think death is like kind of being put into a uh, hall of fame yeah <laughs> uh, but yeah it's like people just kind of you know meatloaf dies and you know people don't care about like all sorts of things meatloaf did they just think of like the six meatloaf songs they think rule and that's and ultimately, like, that's that's a very generous thing for Meatloaf to put into the world or anybody. Like, you know, uh, <laughs> Katy Perry could just, like, keep going the way she is forever. But she will always have, like, six or seven songs that are just widely beloved. And she can just dine out on those forever. If you think about it, the obituary you don't obituaries don't really dwell on flop eras unless it it was important to the person's like personal story yeah. like yeah exactly like yeah when Katy perry dies whenever that is i'm sure <laughs> the writer of her obituary is not going to be like well you know uh her, her shit really turned down after 2017 but uh, uh rest in peace like that's no it's it's going to be all <laughs> pretty much all props yeah so. it'll just open with like she, she had a teenage dream and it had five number one hits on it you know yeah right she will yeah she dressed like uh every, every type of object you could possibly <laughs> yes. imagine in the in the human world the pinup girl of pop music <laughs> there you go uh, hey how do you think people pitch uh O- obituaries on a freelance basis of being like i'll do it, it like uh, it, she, they might not die yes. for like 20 years but like i i think i've got some i think i've got the right insight <laughs> about this person i think that it's usually people who uh there's some reasonable idea that they might die um yeah. i know like most public most major publications have like a lot of pre-written obituaries yeah um and then they just wait for the person to die and fill in whatever needs to be filled in <laughs> 
Yeah. I once tried doing one of those. Um, oh, yeah. When I was at BuzzFeed, there was this scare that uh, Elvis Costello got sick. He, I think, had a heart attack or something. Uh-huh. And I tried writing an Elvis Costello bit, and I just could not do it. It was like my like, it was just weird to do. Interesting. Yeah. Ultimately, did it just it was feel like, like creepy, or was it just like like it's not hard a... to write? Yeah. And I guess like I don't know. Maybe if I was the kind of person who also you know had a sideline in writing Wikipedia entries, it would be no sweat. But <laughs> yeah. Yeah, th- looking looking objectively at the facts of someone's life is is a lot harder than just being like this album slaps, you know. Yeah, I think it actually helps to kind of be like to have that kind of angle, and then you just move from there. So I didn't really have like I didn't know what my angle was in Elvis Costello at that moment, but yeah. you know, Katy Perry, you know, we just we just spitballed it, and that's basically what it's going to be, whether she yeah. dies in ten years or forty or fifty, you know. Yeah. The eternal, the eternal. Like, we're, like, I want to make it clear. We're not wishing death on Katy no. Perry here. No, no, certainly not. I hope she lives forever. Yes. The one immortal woman is Katy Perry. <laughs> she'll, yeah, she'll be a, yeah, a twirling in a, uh, um, a hamburger, hamburger pasties <laughs> when she's 290 years old. Maybe she has been immortal the whole time and she's actually Betty Page. Maybe. We, Chris and I were discussing this at one point is that Betty Page has, for someone who was alive a long time ago, has had one of, she might have the most influential look. Like there's basically chicks who still want to look exactly like her. Like that's kind of amazing. It's weird how it never really stopped looking modern. Yeah, it was, it was like totally, totally modern and like classic at the same time. Like people aren't. I mean, maybe they are. I'm like, does anyone want to look like I, Marilyn Monroe? Probably. Hmm. I think there's certain like 60s looks and maybe some flapper type looks and some punk looks that are kind of evergreen. Yeah. Jane Birkin is like pretty evergreen yeah. at this point. There's always going to be that that chick. Yeah. There's certain kinds of hot chicks that it's like, yep, that is this. Uh, we will always have a few of them around. And you know. <laughs> new type of new type of chick just dropped. Okay. Let's let's uh we'll stop here. We've I think we've established what it means to flop. What is flopping? Yes. And we'll come back in a week and we will talk about flop era as state of mind. Hell yeah. All right. Molly, thank you very much. Thank you for having me. All right, we're back with Flopuary part two. We're talking <laughs> about flops. We're talking about flop eras. What does it mean to flop? Who has flopped the best? Doing this with Molly O'Brien. Molly, say hello. Hello. Hello, everyone. Hope your flopuary is um, not uh, not happening, I guess. I hope you're thriving. <laughs> I personally, I got to say, fe- February historically has been a real flop month for me. It's it I I'm I it always finds everybody. me at my most yeah my most depressed my most you know at at the end of my proverbial rope. Uh, I'm I'm chilling now I would say, but <laughs> who who knows who knows it's early it's early. I think everyone's kind of set up to flop in like January and February because you know you have like December which I think you know you're going out on a high. There's parties there's holidays you know festive. You know, things are just going out. And then, like, there is just nothing in January and February. <laughs> Even if you're in an area where the weather is not as terrible as it's been here in New York, where it's for some reason been, like, under 30 for, like, 40 days consecutively. 
Yeah. Um, I think like it's just kind of like there's just nothing going on. People don't do parties. They don't like do shows. It's it's a very like slow time. Yeah. I would personally like to extend the holiday season through mid February because to me it's it's too short. Like it's everything spooky now up until November 1st. And then it's like that weird Thanksgiving time where it's like it doesn't know what it wants to be. And then you start hearing about various shopping deals and then. And then actual holiday season is just, it's just way too short. I think February could benefit from a little little sparkle. I think the innovation that we need for like that kind of like midwinter malaise is some kind of holiday that by design does not require you to see family. No family. And then, yeah, not, not related to love either. Cause I do think that, I mean, talk about flops. I do think Valentine's day is a high flop risk holiday in terms of expectations versus reality in terms of, you know, being single and wanting a Valentine or being in, in a relationship or not getting the Valentine that you quite thought you wanted. Molly, you've been in a relationship a while. You've been married a little while. Yeah. Like, have you in all that time had like a particularly good Valentine's Day? I mean, to me, the 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 highest privilege of being in a a long term committed relationship and now a marriage is like I feel like we don't. It's not really on the radar anymore. Every day is Valentine's Day for you guys. Every day is Valentine's Day. No, it it was just never one of my favorites. It was uh, anything that involves like uh, standardized monogamy like squicks me out a little bit. Um, So I'm always happy to get the half price candy and then just just call it a day, you know. Yeah. The spring is good on like candy holidays. Yes. Good candy holidays. Everything else. Eh, Easter is know. the ultimate banger for candy holidays. I would say. <laughs> Easter is a banger. I mean, they had to like export the Cadbury egg thing and marshmallow egg thing to other holidays because it was that good. Did you have, have you ever had a Cadbury scream egg and it's just green on the oh, inside right. and it's for yeah, Halloween? Yeah, I've had one of them at some point. It's I kind mean, of like it's neon good. green and purple or something. Yeah. I was very happy when they did that because I do love, I do love a Cadbury cream egg, even though literally every time I've eaten one since I probably reached double digits has made me sick, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it doesn't matter. Yeah. I basically I mean, I feel like... it to being sick. <laughs> I feel like I'm good on like one per season now. Um, yeah, and I, I usually fine. also get a caramel egg. Ooh, those are also good. Those those, are, those I think are those delight. are actually superior. Or I think maybe like in the olden days, the uh, Cadbury eggs were better, and they've just changed formulations. So yeah, many things used to be better. You got to find <laughs> a, a cache of vintage uh, Cadbury eggs on uh, on Depop. Uh, see, 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 <laughs> did you depop for food <laughs> i don't know I, I, think, I sure hope so i weirdly i think you can actually sell basically anything legal on depop like i you can get items i got a disc man off of depop i know that's not candy but uh you know I, what that that brings us back clothes. to what we're talking about <laughs> yes music we, we were not talking about candy we were not see, CDs were, I would say that they have been in their flop era. I actually think that CDs are getting a glow up right now. Yeah, it's a very gradual glow up. Yeah. And uh, it's probably partly because of me. (laughs) (laughs) Relentless. I've been buying those CDs for the past few years. And this is given, you know, 
go into like used stores and I'll be like, why is this man buying CDs? No one buys these CDs. Just you wait. Once yeah. every once every artist removes every song that they have off of uh, Spotify and Spotify just turns into ro- Roganify. Uh, you're, we're gonna have to find our we're gonna have to find our music somewhere yeah why not it was like for some reason disc. just won't jump to apple or something right yeah apple or you know title or or whatever or just watch on youtube no no one will do that yeah the cds flop era long time flop era and yes but they but you know what i think when you induce a flop era it's karmically bound that you will have your own Ooh, that's an interesting. Ooh, that's uh, that's a very interesting thought of a of karmic flopping. I I, I don't I didn't really think it totally through. I don't know how 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 much that's true, but <laughs> well, it, it, I think it 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 relates to the way I, for example, use like social media, specifically Twitter. Is that I think hate, hater energy is a natural uh a natural feeling on twitter it's just the 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 nature of the platform and what it allows you to do and the behavior that it encourages between people and i have to really check myself sometimes to check my hater energy because i'm like it you know the the pendulum will swing the other way eventually and if i can kind of save my own uh ass karmically by not you know for example quote tweeting someone who has like 36 followers but said something kind of rude to me then that's like a that's a win for the day and maybe i'll be spared uh i'll i will be spared the cutter when <laughs> when when, uh, when the cancellation uh, comes for me at last you know what i mean spare us the cutter I think there's also a thing uh i think i think i've found with social media and a lot of things through life at this point in my old age is that sometimes you just kind of have to do a thing a few times just to get it out of your system and then mm. it's easier to move on it's i think it's harder to if that thing is lurking in you it's going to find its way out yeah um, i think you know even still like sometimes i will just write some kind of like like bitchy tweet and just immediately delete it oh yeah just same. just so i can get it out of my system and you know god help me if someone just immediately screenshot that thing like, <laughs> in, in like the the three seconds they had yes yeah it's like the, I mean, only it's writing like cancelable things but it's just bitchy things sure but you know then it's you I, what i found is that you can never underestimate how much time someone else might have to try to uh to fuck up your day do you know what i mean so like why not why not not fuck up someone else's day uh even even when it feels good but yeah i think there there is a a certain karmic thing where it's like you, you really should err on the side of not inviting these things upon you yes if you if you can help it yeah a flop era state of mind what does that mean to you a flop era state of mind. I mean, I'm I'm trying to think like personally for myself, you know, I I think I've actually been pretty aware when I've been in my my personal flop eras and it's you know how uh 
apparent well i'm i'm saying this i i have never been in quicksand but apparently <laughs> if you if you end up in quicksand that's a big reputation for how struggle. much it's in the world yes right i just i just watched um uh blazing saddles for the first time and there was a a quicksand sing- scene in it, and i was like oh damn like i forgot that quicksand used to be in like every movie made between like 1975 and 1995 and now quicksand is in its flop era to be honest like when's the last time you saw quicksand in a movie Whew. i don't know <laughs> I think I'm, it's probably animation right yeah or like you know i mean Dune could have had it, but they just had a, a big worm acting as the the quicksand agent. But anyway, uh, quicksand. Yeah, you're not well, when to you struggle. put it that way. Dune and Star Wars both have ample opportunity to have quicksand, and yet they don't. Yeah, they 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 chose other sand methods. Just, yeah, worms, worms, worms instead, worms and pits. But yeah, don't when you're in quicksand, don't struggle because then you're just gonna completely uh go under just kind of like float on your back and let it wash over you and know that uh you're gonna have to get out of it somehow but not by like freaking out so i guess that in my head that's the flop mindset or that's what should be the flop mindset i know that's not always the flop mindset of uh, you basically got to the poetic version of what i'm about to say which is that i think the the core thing that brings on any flop any flop era is desperation yes and you kind of like most flop eras aren't because like someone made something good and the world just wasn't ready for it. You know, it's because sometimes it's because you take a big swing and the world's not ready for it. That does happen. Yes. But very often it's because, you know, you've had a bit of success and are desperate to hold on to that success. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And sometimes it's that in combination with, uh, I I think the most fatal thing (laughs) The most fatal flop is when you have that desperation and also the big swing. Yes. So like <laughs> you're desperate for people to be have approval of this thing that you're really taking a risk on. Yes. Yeah. Right. And, Which is know, like, I mean, me and Chris Conroy, like one of the, the previous series I did was about the U2 album pop, which is like their biggest mm-hmm. flop era. But that's mm-hmm. one of those. That's one where they're like, this is what music's going to be like now. <laughs> this is yeah. like dance rock. You're all going to love it. And you know what? We did years later. <laughs> but, you know, it's not what people wanted from U2. It's not what people, you know, people already kind of had it in for U2 because they had like a, like a series of successes. But, you know, I, I think that's another thing. You know, you have people will turn against uh, success, the kind of a, the small poppies or big poppies, whatever that thing is. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, the it's this the big swing is interesting because, at least for me personally, I do I kind of respect the uh, a certain way of marketing like a new era or a new album or a, a new you know t- turn in someone's career by just being like this is the this is the future like this is the the new thing like get with it or like get off the bus like because i feel like i don't know if you've noticed i feel like no one's even doing that anymore and now oh, yeah. a flop I mean, is way more i think there's a reason be, like, for that repeating, people trying desperately to repeat the formulas that made them successful in the first place. I feel like it used to be a little bit more like, Ooh, no, I'm being experimental. Um, and you're going to love it because you love me. Right. And then. The right. Answer is, so I think no. that, that there's a reason for this. So like, I think that paradigm where it's like, we, I have to reinvent myself. Yeah. Is a paradigm that's largely because of successes by very specific artists 
I think David Bowie, but that's kind of a little further in the past. It's not really what was fresh in people's minds. But certainly, mm-hmm. I think Madonna and U2 are really yeah. good examples of people who successfully reinvent themselves once or twice. Yeah. And so they become emboldened to do that again, you know, with mixed results. But everyone else is like, yeah, that's what you got to do. I mean, the, the Beatles, I think, also is one of those things where people are like, the Beatles never, they kept doing different things. And these are very positive uh I think this is a very positive influence to be like, oh, I want to try new things. I want to, you know, uh, push my boundaries. Yeah. But yeah. I think that what's happened in the more recent past is people have failed so many times doing that. But yeah. I think especially in an era of uh, streaming and things like that, you get really more reward by just kind of having one brand and sticking to it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, mm-hmm. Rihanna, I think, is a good example. I think Drake is a good example. Taylor Swift's a good example. I mean, there's changes within those bodies of work. They're not completely monotonous, but they have, like, a very strong brand. Yeah. The the Taylor Swift thing is interesting because, you know, that's... Yeah, I, I guess that is exemplary in that Taylor Swift was making, like, kind of acoustic based like sort of folky country rocky music before so that even when something like folklore dropped which i think the way she kind of marketed it was like this is a bit like i'm i'm you know i'm not doing my lover era thing anymore which i guess we can i think think particularly 1989 and reputation which were the ones where they're like the big pop machine records yeah and she's wearing you know the jumpsuit with like the sparkly jumpsuit with four pairs of tights and has like the backup dancers but like yeah the folklore was not necessarily like a new mode of being for her she was you know, letting her hair be curly again and like, I think, at it's like I think folklore and evermore kind of represent her taking this, this real core essence of what she had always been doing and just mm-hmm. b- drilling down. Like, this is like the yeah. mature, fully realized version of her. She can basically stay in this mode for the rest of her life, but yeah. she definitely, at very minimum, made a template that is kind of like she can keep going back to that well deep into adulthood whereas you know you i feel like you really get a window to make 1989 and reputation and she she took advantage of that window yes i agree that i i think that was the the perfect timing for that that mode of uh you know i'm i'm in <laughs> wow i'm in new york city the world is, <laughs> she's basically she has um like new york city tiktoker energy in in that album retroactively oh, welcome to new york yeah she yeah, she like, she invented it she invented that uh, that girl yeah of just being like what do i do in a day like well like, <laughs> you know i get like I that's get my the, that's the version of taylor swift who's talking about west elm caleb yes the, absolutely that the 1989 uh taylor would have would have written a, a song eviscerating the the bad bad furniture man um, <laughs> by the way i'm not really fully convinced we would as a culture reach west elm caleb's status were it not for taylor swift really 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 creating like a a mindset for our young women that's i i think i agree there's a certain flavor that got re there's a certain flavor of attitude that got reanimated when she released the taylor's version of red and specifically the 10 minute version of all too well talk about someone who is magnificently like surfing the non-flop wave of like she 
that sh- people have been clamoring for that for like ever uh what's the 10 she's minute song to flop. Well. she's like not eight or nine records in she is yeah. not flopped she i gotta say i think her her greatest talent is not necessarily musical or technical i think it is like reading the, i think she reads the room and figures out how to like kind of get the most attention and the most money for things better than pretty much anyone else recording music now um I don't, and i don't necessarily i'm not i'm not hating on her for that but it, it seems like that almost you know bringing it back to what you said about the the rhetoric of talking about uh, talking about exes of like she she had chicks giving jake gyllenhaal death threats like on twitter just uh, kind of reanimating the corpse of that relationship via that song and everyone kind of already had that vernacular already of being like oh yeah wh- where's jake gyllenhaal i just want to talk like that and now i think the west elm caleb stuff like does i think you're right it does kind of just said yeah But Taylor Swift has been really good at evading flopping. I think maybe yeah. some people might consider Reputation a flop era, but it still has like several major hits on it. Yeah, I saw. I I've been getting more into the subreddit Popheads. Have you have you spent any time there? It's I don't spend a lot of time on Reddit. Yeah, that's fair. It's not it's not the greatest place in the world. Popheads is interesting because it, it is a very specific type of pop music listener that uh, I think is a little more conscientious than what you just see as a as a lay person on uh, Twitter for example but they I was actually looking at a thread that they did of flops and someone brought up reputation and then someone else just brought up all the stats related to reputation and being like I know you want this to be a flop so badly but like it it really in the grand scheme of things especially just in the the vision of pop music overall it, it's not <laughs> sorry I think if anything evermore might be considered a flop in numbers ways mm-hmm. um, yeah. but it's really just kind of like a second bonus disc for folklore if we're being honest it's kind of yeah, it's like the world's you know, longest gap between re- uh, a double album yeah it's, yeah it's basically disc two folklore yeah and folklore i think is probably gonna be the record that in the future will be the one that everyone's like oh that's her best one it was that or red yeah yeah so speaking of uh you know just taylor swift being good at not flopping like i do think the taylor's version stuff that has come out uh is a perfect example of her knowing how to kind of time things, which I I think is a key to, to not flopping is kind of knowing what people want, knowing what people are clamoring for you to do specifically. And I don't think anyone is being like Taylor Swift, where's the, where's the Zydeco album? They're like, (laughs) please put out, if you're going to put out music again, please put out this song, that song. Like I'm obsessed with this, like come on. And then she will do it. And everyone loves it. You know, it's. I, I wish we could talk to, to artists, just get a, a quote from them about floppers. I feel like she would have a good one. I feel like she's probably someone who's given so much thought to this. Oh, sure. Yes, because I think she's she's definitely aware. I think the only behavior that she does that feels floppy to me is, you know, she recently uh, freaked out because Damon Albarn uh, from said Blur that, and Gorillaz. accused her of not writing her own songs. And she got, you know, really, really up in arms in a way that, you know, it's basically fan army manipulation, more or less. I think she really enjoys having uh, a team of shooters who have her back. Um, But that that kind of behavior, like over like 
defensiveness of your own career and catalog when you have her status feels a little it, it it's that that's it it, yeah only, like, it, it, as successful as Damon Albarn is that's punching down <laughs> Um, yeah right it's a yeah. thing you shrug off it's like oh it's this middle-aged british guy whatever um yeah I, I, by the way i am fully convinced that he had asked her to do a gorilla's thing and she declined and he was very sore about that oh interesting i'm, re- I'm utterly convinced that that is what happened uh, um anyway uh another person who i wish i could talk to if i were to get quotes and i had this kind of pop in my head the other day and i like i'm I'm probably never get a chance to talk to elton john right probably not oh man i have a question for elton john i'll I'll, I'll put that energy out yeah is that elton john uh the first what's it five years of his career are just nothing but monster hits you know like once you know he kind of it takes a minute for him to get in the door but once he gets in the door with uh like your song is the first big hit and then from there Mm -hmm. um it's just nothing but monster hits from between there and like 1975 but then he really hits a wall (laughs) and he's still Uh a fairly young man and you know he eventually kind of uh, gets it back you know in the 80s and the 90s you know he's elton john now you know he, he had a major hit last year Yes. Uh, which notably is made up of bits of songs from flop eras. Oh, interesting. It, it, yeah, he, I don't he, think I even heard the songs. Interesting. Yeah, it's the one with Dua Lipa. Oh, okay. Oh, cold yeah. hot. And, and it has her <laughs> singing the Rocket Man part. Oh, yes, yes. For some reason. <laughs> that song's not <laughs> yeah. from the flop era. That's from the, the, the big era for him. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, I'm just really curious, like, when you have that, I mean, you could ask a lot of people this question, I guess, but I'm curious about him. Um, when you kind of have that period of immense success, like pretty much from the from the get go, and you're like, "Oh my god, I'm really doing it," and you're killing it, and then like you really hit that wall. What is that like? And like, yeah. like, like psychologically, what does that do to you? Yeah, um, and you know, especially if you like what you're making. Right. Yeah. If you put in probably a reasonable amount of effort <laughs> into into putting out music that people react meh to. That seems yeah. like it and, would and be. And you're like still relatively young, so what do you think the rest of your life is gonna be like? Yeah. Uh, and what he's... were the examples that he was looking at at that time of like how his career could go? You know, because I do think especially now in twenty twenty two, like there have been a, a bunch of kind of modern pop examples of like getting out of the flop era of like ways to kind of turn it around and that can help or maybe hurt people who are doing in the moment. But like, what was Elton John dealing with at the time? Like who, who was he looking toward to like emulate their successful career? Or like, who, like who do you resent? <laughs> you know? Yeah. There's no, there's no way. I mean, artists are so petty. And that's the thing. Another thing with that, uh, that all barn and Taylor Swift thing is it like, and it's just so naive. Like, like all of these musicians hate other musicians. That's just yes. how it is. Artists do not like other artists, or they like other artists. But like, there's always like people that are called like, oh, they suck. That's a hack, you know. Yeah. And like, most of them are professional enough to like never say so. Yeah. You know, that's a self-preservation in many ways. Right. But yeah, m- most artists, like you know, I'm sure. Oh my god, imagine having like a, a candid like truly honest conversation with Taylor Swift about all the artists she hates. 
It's probably most of them. I would right? say probably a good amount. Yeah. yeah. I'm sure there's a lot of things. I mean, I mean, God, she's like written like these bitchy little things on her own songs. Like the, like she has a kind of like sideways diss of Jenny Lewis. So it's like, Oh yeah. No, she, she's had, she's had, um, I mean, her career was also built on a certain amount of hater energy. Even. Oh yeah. It's pettiness. Uh, and and the, I think pettiness runs rampant in popular music right now. What, what chick did Joe Jonas hook up with? that she was like she was being rude about in a song was this Selena Gomez? Wa- it, the the song was like she she's an actress but she's more known for things that she does yeah. on the mattress like this real like real sex shamey you know yeah which now like i don't think would pass uh pass muster in our current our current state of uh of of wokeness dare, dare right and now taylor swift has her own songs about how dare you slut shame me yeah, of course. She contains multitudes. But yeah, the you know, pe- I mean, the, you, you hope for people to kind of grow and change, especially when you're talking about like people who are literal teenagers when they're writing songs. Um, I'm sure, sure like, you know, Olivia Rodrigo in a few years, will be like, oh, some of my lyrics are really cringe. Yeah, I really I should have taken it easier on that. That guy who I feel like I don't even remember who he is slash maybe no one will <laughs> olivia rodrigo uh just being like wait a second everybody knows billy joel <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't like some obscure thing what the fuck you all know Ooh, uptown she, girl <laughs> she's gonna issue a notes app apology for uh gatekeeping billy joel yeah man gatekeep girl bossing she's gonna have to like own up to all of it um the it to go back to the pettiness thing the, I think the other part of flop era mindset is that they're not everyone is flopping and you're looking at other people who are, you know, maybe have even stolen some of your tricks and are doing them a little bit better or for, you know, a more willing audience or people who are a little younger uh, and making a slightly fresher style of music. And I mean, flop era ing, I think, I know you were just talking about Elton John, which happened when he was fairly young, but uh, I think it, flop era plus aging is also a, thi- a thing to discuss in in terms of mindset i think that's really a, a madonna conversation where mm. madonna is in been fighting against age for so long in ways God. that i think have ultimately like backfired horribly on her yeah um, she now looks like she's been actually yassified which is interesting yeah. As, yeah, as a woman she... in her 60s now she basically every photo that is posted of her has her face as like that kind of flat beige circle with like no dimension or texture at all and like you know big doll eyes and a and a giant pair of lips and i I, in my head i'm like does she have approval like is she basically texting people and be like you can't post that picture that your manager took like you have to post this one that i (laughs) yassified Oh God, yeah, Madonna. I love her so much, and she's really given us so much. And she, you know, even like you know, she's she's had ups and downs. Like she, she's a person who has had flop eras and returned triumphantly from them a few times over. What What were her earlier flop eras like? I feel like I'm less familiar with like beginning or like mid mid career Madonna flop era. 
I don't, she doesn't really have flop eras in the eighties. Not really. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that once uh, she's on the other side of blonde ambition, when uh, the sex book comes out and uh, erotica comes out, like those are still really big and she's like still massive in the cultural conversation. But I think you could really kind of call that a flop era in some way. Yeah. Um, I think maybe in the way that I was saying before that it's like, you're doing a big swing, but you're also expecting people to be on board with you. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think like the, the major one for her is when she, well, I think, you know, Madonna in the nineties is kind of like hit or miss. Like she has some big hits. Like she's, she's not really like on a decline so much as she's kind of on a plateau and she's, yeah. and she's, and she's doing some like artistic choices that are cool and interesting, but uh, not necessarily commercial choices. But, you know, she comes back with Ray of Light, which is a definitive Madonna moment. Uh, oh, so good. And I think, you know, then she has a couple, uh, she has a few couple of good years on that. But So she has like Beautiful Stranger and she also has music and music has a couple of big hits on it too. Um, I think, I, maybe I'm remembering the chronology wrong. But yeah, but like I think, you know, she, she yeah, has, what's the one with hung up on it i can't remember uh, confessions on a dance floor is the last okay, really yeah. super huge one but she's this got like a bunch of flop eras like since and you know but people just did not expect <laughs> oh shit oh fuck <laughs> okay sorry i i spilled something oh no podcast <laughs> see that was a flop moment that was I'm, now i'm coming back <laughs> from a flop era i'm not going to edit that out because it's important to own up to your yes. flop eras hell yeah <laughs> but yeah but, but madonna kind of has her her ups and downs but i don't think people really expected madonna to have like mega hits into the tens uh, or, or i guess the, the aughts but i think in the more recent past uh, she's been wise to kind of like lower some expectations yeah but it's the, the, yeah the, I, I think the, trying the, to it, chug from the fountain of youth thing i feel like is only going to backfire like i just i think a parallel person are they similar ages how old is celine dion probably 10 celine years younger. Dion is 10 years younger okay so Thereabouts. like yeah to me celine is someone who is kind of like sliding into being an elder stateswoman at least aesthetically in a way that i feel like works she's not afraid better. to be old she's not afraid to be old and she leans into it like the kind of like the outfits that she's wearing and like the general like fashion uh, choices that she's making. I feel like it, it, it is fitting. You can wear whatever you want for however long you want. It doesn't really matter, but it's the, the belief that Madonna seems to hold that like being like young looking and fit and like sexy is somehow the most kind of important. It, it, it has somehow turned out to be like the most important aesthetic thing for her as opposed to looking interesting. I, I think, think the thing with Madonna is that she is the world's most Leo Leo in all the good <laughs> and all the worst ways. And that extreme mm-hmm. vanity is you know, yeah. part of, it's part of her Leo deal. Yeah. Like it's the same Leo deal looks... that gives us express yourself. Yeah. It, she i would say she is perceived to be older but i would say it's she's doing it in a more i think elegant way yeah i think there's a lot of women who kind of just, i think this is really is the, the real rough thing right is that holding not holding on to it 
kind of puts you into a forced flop era where it kind of mm-hmm. calls attention to your neuroses and anxieties and but desperation when, yeah desperation and when you know the people who just kind of like let nature take a course you know i think a lot of us see more beauty in that or something more you know respectable i mean god there is that terrible tweet or whatever from like what is it uh like fuck like abby shapiro yeah. uh where it was like would you rather be madonna or like i can't remember who she held up is like this like the person of equivalent age who is like honorable oh i can't remember either god, but i do remember it? seeing it but yeah but the point is like it's kind of like I hate everything about the implications of that tweet, but I also understand why you arrive at that because, you know, you're looking at someone who is in doing everything in her power and her incredible means to try to tell us something we all know is not true. Yeah. Yeah. I guess the, the, you know, sort of empathy I would have for Madonna is that she is not just like a one of a kind pop star but like basically invented modern pop stardom so she is still like she she is kind of making it up as she goes like who in this this might set the pace for the next generation after her of uh how to still want to be you know sort of culturally or musically relevant into your uh 60s and maybe 70s god what is a what is a madonna in her 70s going to be that's going to be insane (laughs) so that's going to be bananas chris conroy uh who edited the pop uh thing with and you you know chris yeah um we've talked a lot about madonna and our time on earth (laughs) and one of the things we've arrived at is like well if we were to kind of tell madonna this is what you should do and she would never in a million years do it. But like, sure, this is the time right now where you should make the third like a record. You know, she has like a virgin. Oh, like a prayer. And yeah. what would you do? Like, a? it what would be your what would be your feeling like? A, That's a great question. Like a Chris came up with the perfect one. OK, I, w- I want to hear this, it. You, you go first. You go first. Like this. What's this? Do your swing. What is uh, like a. I mean, my my sweet. What about just like like a star? His idea was like a woman, like a woman. I love that. That's perfect. And that's like yes, that's the record where Madonna's like, I'm not chasing hits. I'm making the music I want to make right yeah. now. This is what yeah. speaks to me. Some songs are bangers. Some songs are ballads. It's just this is my vibe. I'm singing about. This is what I see as life right now from my perspective. And you know, it's funny yeah. like. Uh, I find myself really super interested in art made by women in middle age because I feel like because of a lot of things, you don't really get like the same kind of rawness the way people talk about life in that era. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of, I think, you know, you think about musicians and, you know, they tend to be more raw and then they kind of get like more cooked, I guess. But, yeah. you know, I think but, but in the recent past, there's Lucky. two things that, you know, I was one something I was waiting for a long time. Uh, Liz Fair's most recent record is, I mean, it's not necessarily the, the exile in Guyville, but for women who are 53 that I uh-huh. truly wanted, but it's not uh-huh. super far off. It's basically that. Okay. 
Um, and then, of course, you have the Sex and the City revival, which is oh, yeah. cringe in many ways, but I think is very valuable in yeah. others. I think it's really interesting to see, to see a show that is just like, you know, kind of honestly about what those characters and that kind of person is like right now. Yeah. You know, instead of like trying to go backwards in time or to try to like, it's like what, you know, this is the, here's, here's a world now. Just throw the characters now. I mean, that's one of the, the things about TV that's great is that you have these characters, you know, they're very defined and you put them in situations and you see what happens when they're in a situation. So I think like that's one of the few like reboot kind of things I think really works. Yeah. And and part of it is because those characters are absolutely in their flop eras in the story. And I mean, I was going to say, I feel like Sex and the City in general as a show is about women kind of trading who and who is not in a flop era at any given time. It sounds like right now everyone, I haven't watched the show, but I've been hearing a lot about it. And it it doesn't seem like everyone's kind of on the same, uh, same, in the same flop zone. Um, I think this whole series has been very uh, rough on Miranda. Okay. Because Miranda is uh, going through the weirdest stuff and the the most, uh... but it's like, you know, if your life, if you are a woman who's been married for a long time and has like almost an adult child Uh um, and you just suddenly at the age of like 55 realize, wait a second, I'm not straight. Yeah, that's the, the I feel like it's almost impossible to not, especially when you're, you know, you're, you're just kind of like this like uh, upper middle class uh, lady, uh, super lib. <laughs> and yeah. it's just like you're just set up for embarrassment. And that's what the show does. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's like but yeah, it's a, you're watching the character flop era. I feel like a lot of fiction is about flop eras. That's flop eras or story is the middle act. Yes, for sure. I I have a a bit where I say there's basically two modes for people in a TV show that they're either uh, down bad or having a bruh moment, <laughs> 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 which are both different different ways of experiencing and interpreting flops. Uh, it, it works really well for Mad Men. Next next time you watch uh, an old episode <laughs> of Mad Men, just point out who yes. is. Like usually, for example, uh, Pete Pete Campbell is often down bad, and Don is usually having some sort of bra moment. But occasionally, <laughs> we, the real meltdowns are when Don is having when Don is down bad. Uh, talk God, talk about flop eras. Oh uh, God! And when Pete had the bra is, moment, it's 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 almost worse than the down oh, yeah. bad. Like when when Pete fell down the stairs, for example, after like throwing a fit. That was that was a. Uh, that, that was an extreme bro moment. Wow. Oh God. Wow, that's uh I have just lost a train of thought or something. Um <laughs> it does seem that flop eras are somewhat gendered. Yeah. Oh, for sure. I think most uh you know, m- at least in terms of talking about the uh, music sense, it's mostly women and women in pop. There's the rare uh, male flops feel a little more rare. Justin Bieber's had some like flop eras. I was going to say Justin Timberlake has had uh, a flop is kind of in a flop era right now. It's he's been in one for being... quite a while now. Yeah. Like he, he's so going to do a comeback. Well, I mean, I think this is also kind of setting up the idea that you need to go away to come back. And sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, 
you, you need that. You just need it. You know, you need for people to be like, you know what? I miss Justin Timberlake. Yes. I'm so glad oh. that he's back. <laughs> I know, I know you were, we had talked about, you know, desperation being the, the mood of, uh, of, or the cause of many a flop, but also just, just plain overexposure sets you up for a flop as well. Uh, like Lizzo, I feel like would, would be a good example of that of yeah. after, cause I love you of, uh, she was everywhere. And I was like, this is not going to end. Like people do just this, the public psyche will tire of people. That's just simply what happens when they're around enough. And then that alone can trigger a flop error depending on how that person reacts to it the best response is to go away for a little while right and i feel like she did probably the one thing that would have been like well you're guaranteed a hit if you do this and she basically and she did a song with cardi b and mm. it did okay and then i think they yeah, just kind of put the great. record off which is a bad yeah. sign really bad sign but uh uh album delays a huge huge flop era uh, red flag so w one more point before we get off this is yeah. you know getting an idea that it's kind of like it's the middle act a flop is part of story mm -hmm. uh you know remember like the 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 true how is it like the e true hollywood stories and like the behind the music and things like that oh yeah my fave and i feel like so many of those were about artists who were in flop eras that in, in many ways, in, in many uh, instances, they never even came out of. They just right. flopped and, you know, that's it. Yeah, um, mega flop. But in that format, they could really thrive because you could be like, flopping is often the most interesting part of the story. It's where the yeah. action is. It's where the drama yeah. is. Drama. Like, mm -hmm. you know, you think about like uh, most autobiographies of musicians which you've read many of or like movies made about artists and all that they really kind of yada yada the success moments because they're really not that interesting they're interesting when yeah. when you're experiencing the real thing but it's not what the story is yeah uh all you know all all successes are are successful in the same way and all all flop eras are 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 different and special yeah well, on that note, we'll wrap up this episode and we will we will come back next week for uh, part three of Floppyary. Will you be there, Molly? I will I will be there and ready to flop once again. And we're we're doing it again. We're doing Floppyary part three. Molly Mary O'Brien, you are here with me. Thank you. Say hi. Th thank you. Thank you for having <laughs> me. It's a it is a pleasure to keep keep on flopping. Keep on flopping world. in the free world. <laughs> oh God, so, I, I, I went to a. It was a Bernie Sanders like New Hampshire waiting to find out the results like rally, and they only had I swear to God like eight songs on their playlist, and I heard "Keep on Rocking the Free World" I think twelve times that night. Too many. <laughs> it turns out there's too many times. It is a good. good it yeah. was a good song. <laughs> now I don't think I can bear to hear it again. Neil, Neil Young, there's an artist who's had multiple flop eras that he came back from. Pono. <laughs> would, <laughs> yes, would you call, I would call Pono a flop. I don't even know if it's a, if it counts as an era because I don't even remember uh, causing any influence in any way other than like Rolling Stone printing a few articles about well, its but, development you know, and release. It's I was thinking about this in terms of like, so we're, we're recording this like just after uh, Neil Young pulled all his music from Spotify in protest of them giving uh, Joe Rogan incredible amounts of money to be Joe Rogan. 
Yes. Um, and, you know, the public response to that, I think, has been super positive. It's been great for his reputation. People are really like, oh, my God, Neil Young, what a great guy. What a super cool dude. Yeah, he's and in the mix. it's funny because it's like not tremendously far off from him, like, hating CDs and hating, uh, you know, mp3s and like doing the pano thing it's not super far apart but he just added like this political element but he's added mm. political element to the thing and, and had like people be like oh fuck that guy cranky old dude it's just weird like like things just have to line up just right because you yes. know he did entire records like slamming george w bush he made a whole record about how bad monsanto is <sighs> Did you know that? <laughs> I don't think I. I don't think it's I. It's called realized Monsanto that. years. Oh my lord! Okay, like who else has done that? That's a Neil Young thing. No, that's a Neil Young special for sure. And you—that's that's where you get when you do not fear flopping anymore. Where you're just like, I just make stuff. I do things. I've done enough things that people like that. I have. I, I have a blank check to just keep moving on, and that's the dream. I think that is the dream for any creative person is to get in that Neil Young space Neil, where you can Neil just Young do mindset. whatever you want. Yeah, which that yeah, that's a especially if you can live on it and you don't have to uh worry about you know making any more money i do feel like one kind of hallmark of uh the creation of flops is people being like s still trying to like stack the dough when they can already i, I just wish more people would act i, I wish more musicians would i keep revising this i wish more extremely successful musicians would start acting like they no longer needed a paycheck and then just like went wild you know what i mean I was, oh God, what was I, oh, <laughs> I was uh, watching the Aziz Ansari uh, special okay. that came out on Netflix just this yes. weekend because I yes. had nothing to do and it was snowing. Sure. Um, and he was, and well, there's a guy who's been in a flop era, right? Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> but but in that episode, in the episode, in this 30 minute stand up special, he talks about Frank Ocean and in talking to Frank Ocean once at a party. And he's like, man, I can't believe you do this stuff that you can just kind of like sit out for five years and just do this release music just when you want to. That's so mm -hmm. cool. Like, how do you do it, Frank? And Frank also be like, well, you just got to be comfortable with making less money. Yeah. <laughs> there, <laughs> you yes. there you Frank go. There you go. Frank Ocean is I, comfortable with making less money. I he think makes that money, is, but he, he doesn't oh, want yeah. tons of it. Yeah. And I think that's, you know, it's, I, I recognize that. I think especially if you do achieve the miracle of having a, a sort of fire hose of cash flying at your face via making money or via making music like that, that's amazing. And I can understand how people would just be like, OK, like, let's hit the gas until the wheels fall off. But yeah, the just the freedom of. Uh, you know, not worrying necessarily about making like the most uh, commercially viable thing or even or just not worrying about making like an album a year or whatever it is. I think I think that's good for people. And I think you do avoid flop uh, flop energy that way as well. I mean, I don't I think mean, Frank Ocean has flop energy at all. Right. But it's so easy to imagine an alternate version of Frank Ocean's career where he's just like, I, I got to strike. I got to put out tons of shit. I got to do features. I got to be on everybody's yep. song. Yeah. And he overextends himself. And like, like, maybe he gets some big hits and maybe he makes some songs that suck. You know, Doja Cat featuring Frank Ocean, Frank Ocean featuring Justin Bieber and Lil, Lil, uh, Chris Brown, know, Lil Chris, Lil Chris Brown. <laughs> 
Yeah, but like, but, but Frank Ocean like doesn't do a lot of features. Um, you know, I, I think some people also you know back away out of fear of flopping. I think uh, Andre Three Thousand uh, kind of he only really does features now. Hasn't put out a record since two thousand three. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think to some extent he probably does fear making a record that people don't like. Yeah. But, you know, he's managed a career where he occasionally throws out like a killer verse and maintains mm-hmm. his reputation as one of the most beloved rappers of all time. So I think that like that works for him. But you can kind of yeah. sense that flop sweat, that yes. fear that he might ruin the thing he has. Right. Yeah, the, the, there does seem to be this sort of uh, spooky vision of like, what if I make it an album that is like so poorly received that it does erase my legacy? <laughs> Which I mean, I, God, I, isn't I that what happened with Justin Timberlake? Uh, I mean, as of now, the thing is, I do think Justin Timberlake is, he seems to me, if he does go away for long enough and then comes back with like a spectacular sh- like show, like a live show, like something that kind of reminds people of what, kind of performer he is but also i mean talk about aging i love aging and dying he's he's not getting any younger either and a lot of his appeal was uh, dependent on him being a fluid dancer so i don't know how how do you feel about his looks as he's aged um do you think think, because i feel like he looks pretty handsome he's like i think he he, i think he has a jaw that ages nicely I, th- I think he actually is aging pretty nicely. And I, w- I say this as someone who was a big fan of him when he was in, in sync and I was a, a child, basically. I think it's something about the style, the the aesthetic thing feels like it was set up to flop is that he went from suit and tie to flannel shirt Man and somewhere woods. along the way that like that put forth this vision of like, how, how do I describe it? I'm trying to think of like a suit guy that you wouldn't want to see. Okay, well, he literally shirt. made suit and tie, and that was a yeah. big hit. Yeah, well, so I, I think like wearing like, it, like moving he, away he from that, like doing the more grungy it. thing and being like, you know, me and my wife, we're rich survivalists. <laughs> it's like, it's, yeah. I feel like it kind of inadvertently made people think about how weird Justin Timberlake is as opposed yeah. to how like aspirational he was. Because yeah. suit and tie and like that whole era is a he's doing like aspirational music yeah Um, and before before that like when he first came on the scene it was more like being like a hip young guy like kind of like exactly you know being produced by the neptunes and just like uh like he like he's like i am exactly the moment and so like that made sense but then you look at like the ring you say that leather jacket yeah go on but you know he's also Profiting off people backlashing off Britney with his uh, Crimea River song. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And then I think now it's like because people have really come around on Britney Spears and protecting her at all costs. Like, yes. There's just a lot I mean, between Britney Spears and uh, Janet Jackson, Jackson. People have a lot of beef with him. Yeah. That's why he's going to have to stay away. He certainly cannot come back now. I think he's you know going to stay away until things the du- the dust kind of settles. Here's what I think that he can do. I think that if anyone could possibly fall into a like a new modern version of Frank Sinatra, he could yeah, do it. Yeah. Totally. I think you give him a couple more years and you just you have him do like like a Vegas residency or things like that where he's playing casinos and he's like yeah but he's not like doing the dancing he's like focusing on singing he's focusing on doing jokes he's a good comedy guy yeah I think like you know because uh, Frank Sinatra is singing telling jokes 
you know, maybe he gets like, uh, you know, because Sinatra famously would do things with uh, Dean Martin. And I feel like he needs his own Dean Martin. He can yes. make it work. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I think that's a, it's very uh, uneven sure with Justin Timberlake. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, there's the other portion too, is that like, you know, he, in comparison to some of the people that we've been talking about on this miniseries, he had a, another pretty decently crit- critically acclaimed revenue slash popularity stream, which was acting. And he hasn't even really done that in a while. Like he really well, he, is... well, Oh wait, how quickly you forget the Trolls movies. Oh God, but that's not his face on it. I've seen, trust me, I've paid money to see the Trolls movies. <laughs> and he had that mega hit off them. the Trolls too. Yeah, yeah, that's I true. like that, that was his I know, last, I know some people don't like last... it, but I like that one. Yeah, I'm I'm completely unopposed to Can't Stop the Feeling. It's a it's a fine it's a fine bop. I, I, but, I like uh, a sunshine banger like that. Yeah, but that was hit. That was J- JT as a troll. That was not. That was not <laughs> his. Maybe that's who he has to become. Maybe he's got to become really lean into trollness. I think we should talk because I just mentioned Vegas residencies. Mm-hmm. I think it's now it's time for us to talk about Katy Perry. I'm ready. I'm ready. And Katy Perry, um, I mean, a lot of artists in the recent past have uh, moved into the, the Vegas residency thing as a way of, um, it, it, I feel like it's, a, it, you know, there's, that's kind of gone through different phases in our culture of what it means. But I think in the more recent past, maybe the past, let's say seven or eight years, something like that, it's a thing that like big name artists can do. Mm-hmm. and yes. it's a low pressure thing they don't have to sell a lot of tickets they're getting paid a shit ton of money by the casinos and they stay at the hotel you know so yeah. they get to live very nicely they don't have to travel sounds great a really good situation for these artists and it's it's good for branding um mm-hmm. and it's a good way of kind of being like i'm doing a big prestigious thing but i don't need a lot of people to go yes and it will still you know collect the buzz it needs to collect to hopefully gas up ticket prices with the scarcity of it that everyone everyone who wants to come will eventually come i will i will have them all see me and pay me money. Have, you, have you gone to any of those i have gone to one vegas residency performance it was gwen stefani who oh, i wow I, there, I think there, there's weirdly, a woman who's had a a, a, a flop error or two she it's funny i i would I would say right now she seems to musically definitely be in a flop era, but has found some kind of equilibrium with celebrity imagery, like especially like being engaged and maybe having gotten married to Blake Shelton. I forget her marital status. She got married but to Blake Shelton. Yeah, like she. I think she's it's. I mean, when you think about how out. she used to be married to uh, Gavin Rosdell, probably one of the most handsome people of the 1990s, and now. Oh yeah. I mean, listen. I think he cheated on her a lot. Probably yeah. a total douche. I don't really know what Blake Shelton's like. He seems like a douche too, but in a different way. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but but it, it, it's so hard to look at that and be like, oh. I'm sure Gavin Rosdale gets a little little bitchy little uh, feeling about it. Yeah, yeah. It's certainly a more uh, like normal <laughs> husband. I feel I don't know. I, mean, I don't. I don't want to piss off the the Blake Shelton listeners. He's very special. Uh, I'm sure. He's well, you also don't want to alienate the Bushheads. Oh, of course. That's that's more important. But yeah, I saw Gwen Stefani at Planet Hollywood. Um, the tickets were thirty dollars. That's wait, other, what? I, 
So yeah. wait, were you getting like kind of bargain? Because I feel like isn't the point that the tickets are usually pretty expensive? So what I think I realized is that they want full houses every night. Like I think that's maybe like a morale thing for the yeah. uh, slash an ego thing for the star. And so if they can't sell them at, you know, Lady Gaga Enigma prices or Lord forbid Adele prices, they just want to fill the house. Basically get canceled. Yes. At least for now. Yeah. Yeah. Which I'm seeing conflicting reports of why, including possibly fighting with her set designer slash creative director. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I know there's like drama around it, but I don't really know what it is. Yeah. Um, But yeah, the, the, I was, at, the, at that price, I was like, wow, this sounds like this seems like the show is flopping. And then we bust into the Planet Hollywood like auditorium and it is full. It's completely full. So people people will buy the tickets at those prices. And then Gwen Stefani gets to play to a pretty packed and adoring house every night, even though she's not necessarily raking in the big bucks. Oh, I mean, I think it's a really good thing for artists who have huge name recognition, have enough hits that people can go like, oh yeah, I like Lady, I'll go see that. I mean, yeah. God, I would absolutely go to see a Gwen Stefani show for thirty dollars. She played, she played nothing but hits. It was yeah. an hour I mean, and a half, basically, I, of like good popular songs. My, I mean, I, I will, I mean, I'm happy to see most anything famous for either cheap or free. Yeah, totally. Uh, definitely things, especially like when I work at Rolling Stone and, and BuzzFeed, where there's things I got to see that I would probably have never paid to see that I'm really grateful that I did. Like Justin Timberlake, for example. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I saw him at the Barclays Center for, uh, I got comped. I saw Shania Twain. I took my mom to see Shania. No, no, I'm sorry. I took my mom to see uh, Blake Shelton's ex-wife, whose name is escaping me right now. Miranda Lambert. Miranda Lambert. Okay. I saw, I saw, uh, I did see Shania Twain, but I did not bring my mom to that. I brought my friend Caitlin, I think. Um, <laughs> but yeah, yeah. But you know, you get the idea. I, I, saw, yeah. I saw Miley Cyrus, you know, things like that. Yeah. Um, always, always good things to see. Miley Cyrus, by the way, absolutely whips. That was the bangers tour. Fantastic. Oh, boy. oh I've one watched of the, one of the best pop shows I've seen. I've watched like full show, like recordings of that. And it was just like, ah, oh, I really. I really it's fucked a real up magical moment. that show. Uh, I was all, like on the subway going through Barclays, like on my way to a bar when it got out and the subway was flooded with like extremely <laughs> hyper teenagers whose yeah. parents had like let them like, you know, take the LARR in or whatever for the night. Uh, it was hilarious. Um, oh God. But you know, it's funny. Okay, so the Miley Cyrus show, the banger show, I feel like that is kind of a, a thing that Katy Perry is chasing, especially right now with her Vegas show. Um, how how would you describe the imagery in it? Like, what would, like what are like the the big things in that? Cartoonish mushrooms. Like mushrooms. There's a a beer like a like beer can and like beer pitcher element there is a um toilet. giant toilet with a yeah. dancing a dancer dressed to to look like a uh a, a f- feces basically uh and coming coming out of the the toilet to dance what what else am i missing oh i saw a funny bit of footage from a like a fitness influencer that i follow on instagram where she seems to take the stage i don't know if it's at the beginning or at, after intermission or whatever or I'm sure there's not an intermission. What am I talking about? It's not a fucking Shakespeare play. But she is descending onto the stage via like a a, a hand cutout that is like holding 
her like by the the back of her clothing i don't know if i'm describing this correctly but it's so, like yeah, I, I saw that and that kind of struck her. me as a uh, kind of kate as a little bit miley cyrus because she she had like mm. some certain things like that of being like brought in and brought out really i mean she famously ends the banger show by flying away on a hot dog yeah, the uh, that hot dog that she had been right like a mechanical bull hot dog or was that a mechanical yes. bull penis? It was one. Yeah, it, it was a uh, hot dog. But yeah, okay, yeah, <laughs> very good. But uh, she, 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 I know she enters at some point like down like a tongue. Yeah, it's like very. It's kind of, um, it's kind of susian it's kind of uh like it, it's definitely like they they were, I feel like they were trying to like manifest the. 2012 2013 internet on stage yeah me, i feel like that's kind meme-y. of what they're going for it's definitely it's and definitely it's, got meme vibes and she's trying kind of, to be to create memes which is definitely like a, a sweaty thing that she does yeah you can't force a meme um no no sir the, the thing with uh katie perry let's talk about like katie perry um in the past i don't know like six or seven years yeah. So, so Katy Perry kind of enters the last decade as really one of the biggest pop stars. Like she's kind of in the same conversation as Rihanna, as Beyonce, as uh, Lady Gaga. Yeah. Like she's like one of the big ones. Actually, you know, Beyonce in the beginning of the decade is really actually kind of more in a flop era. Like four is a big flop era for her. Yeah. People don't really yeah. see that in retrospect. Uh, you know, sidebar into Beyonce. Beyonce. Yeah is a genius because yeah. she it she, she took her flop era for to do lay this groundwork of like you know what beyonce doesn't need hits beyonce is a deity everyone yeah. should love her she's the yeah. greatest human being who's ever lived no one's more talented than beyonce and then when she does like the big move of the self-titled record you know when she becomes like where she really fully shifts to be an, an album artist as opposed to a single artist. So she, you know, moves towards a game that she can win every yes. time. Yes. Yeah. She's an absolute genius if just for that career maneuver. Yeah. But anyway, the, the uh, you know, Katy Perry is like a mega, mega huge from like, you know, starting around 2008 and then into about 2013. I think like uh, Prism is the record after... Uh, teenage dream yeah it has dark horse on it and has roar you know <laughs> so that's kind of like the the, the imperial phase yeah of, uh, of katie perry and then <laughs> then the obama era kind of draws to a close yeah. and things get real messy for yes. i think it's funny i feel like she's in some ways a canary in the coal mine like she's a, a pure creature of the obama era and you know entering the trump era is rough and partly because like she opens that phase by this making music for uh hillary clinton going full hillary clinton girl boss yeah uh like roar no is it roar what what is is rise rise was the one she did for uh for uh hillary clinton and then she didn't hillary clinton use roar in just general like rallies and stuff or probably the signature song for her was that is my fight song oh yeah of course (laughs) it like that i feel like we all get kind of ptsd just hearing that song now it just reminds us of a very bad time in all of our lives um (laughs) it's not my fight song that's for sure (laughs) 
I, I reject it outright. Oh, God, such a nightmare that bear. Um, <laughs> but she, but she enters into the uh, the Trump era with uh, a record witness, which you know she's kind of going full resistance on it. Uh huh. Yeah. And it's just like a bad fit for her. Like she yes. has that song uh, "Chained to the Rhythm." Is it, am Chained I getting that title rhythm. right? Yeah. Yeah, and like that's kind of like her. It's like, it's political, Katie. Uh, she made the video for it. That's kind of like, but it's like, yeah, she's just kind of like going resistancy, and I guess maybe logically that should have worked, but the vibes were already changing mid-decade, and she just was not. She just has not been on trend since like two, 2013. Yeah, and, and maybe even before that. Yeah, like, like she, and I guess like one of the things about her kind of consistent flop era is that she really sticks to her guns aesthetically like she's not going to stop being a pinup girl she's not going to stop doing like really doofy jokes she's not going to stop making music that sounds like the obama era right like it doesn't matter like how minimal and dark everything got it doesn't matter (laughs) like like now things are kind of moving towards more of like this kind of like pop rock direction again like she's certainly not going to do that even though i feel like she maybe has a logical claim on it as an ex-warp tour performer (laughs) going back to her roots but katy perry refuses to be anything but katy perry which i think in some ways is admirable even though i do not like it (laughs) but uh let's, let's kind of think about back on some of the things she's done in that kind of phase where she's just kind of throwing songs out to see what sticks before they put out that record smile, uh, which I believe she's a clown on the cover. Yeah. She's a a clown and not a a cool one because I do think clown aesthetics are actually coming back in a lot of ways. Uh, It's certainly not a Joker clown. That would be zeitgeisty. Yeah. Or even like an ICP clown would be kind of like a countercultural nod that would, I would think would work more now. A, a, a juggalo, I should say. Call, call I mean, them she by their definitely name. do a Harley Quinn look, right? Oh yeah. Why not? Which again, that's like, it, it almost feels like there are different versions of her that are like parallel that are in the multiverse or something. And the, they're, they've got their finger on the pulse and she's just in, she's like trapped in like flop era, like quantum mechanics and needs is going to need something like extremely jarring to get her out. It, it is, but you know, I, I've looked at the numbers and like the, a lot of these singles have done like like really big numbers, like hundred million, you know, streams on Spotify. And who knows how much of this is like juking the stats or like you know figuring out like some ways to game the system. I don't know. Yeah, but yeah. They, these are songs that. I guess are technically hits, but don't seem to have any cultural purchase. Right. They, they're certainly not, they're not groundbreaking. Yeah. They're, they're, they're not a influential basically. Like she's lost her, her influence. I I feel like to be a Katy Perry fan is to kind of be a millennial, like a pure millennial, a very like, also she's also kind of like this, like avatar of basicness. Yes. So, like, yeah. her audience is really basic. I feel like even probably the gay audience is like the most basic gays. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if yeah. anyone wants to correct me on that, please go ahead. 
but um <laughs> it, it it just feels like uh you know like I've, I've always kind of seen her you know it, it, like i think most pop stars we have in america uh you know they're, they're kind of archetypes of people you know are people are ideas and i feel like she at her peak was this kind of like the ultimate sorority girl yes yeah that's the ultimate right. sorority girl who is into burlesque <laughs> yes well it, speaking of that like again it it seems like she saw what what kind of aesthetic at least got her within the cultural conversation because lest we forget this is someone who started out basically flopping cut just failing constantly getting dropped from two different record labels you know trying on multiple ways of trying to get attention whether it's you know being like a, a nouveau gospel singer or like a pop rock girl or like floating around the like cobra snake uh cinespace like la party rock era but she's she just keeps doing the thing that she was doing when she first got famous and i actually think i had i know i literally just said she doesn't have influence if you look at someone like doja cat who i actually think in a lot of ways is oh my god reading, she's, she's gen z doja she's she, gen yeah. z uh, katie perry wow i think she's reading the same she's reading the katie perry playbook in terms of like i think there is some burlesque aesthetic uh, but, but the thing is, is like she's a troll thing but she's a troll it's all like completely tongue-in-cheek and the idea well i mean god we all remember where we met time. doja cat right when she was a cow yeah. when she was literally a cow which like katie Ooh. perry wishes now you know like God. Katy Perry, I'm sure would be like, "I'll dress like a cow. You want me to dress like a cow? You guys think that's funny? I'll dress like a cow. I'll, I'll do it." Yeah, yeah. I and mean, she's always looking for like boob things. Oh, of course. Yeah, that's that is. Uh, <laughs> it cannot be denied that is a large part of her appeal. But yeah, the Doja Cat has the. Oh, kind hold of on. Armor. S- s- sidebar on that. Yes. You know, p- you always hear people like, "We're in a butt era. People only like butts now." Mm-hmm, sure. <laughs> do you feel like you know she is a victim of the butt era? I kind of do, actually. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm like kind of not as, as kind of like one of uh, music culture's like uh, you know obvious boob ladies. Yeah, she she had all her stock in the boob, and I'm not I'm not sure if there's anything she could have. I mean, listen, done. boobs don't go out of style. It's just yeah. kind of like that with the rhetoric, the the, the social the zeitgeist. Yeah, the, and the like Katy Perry getting getting a BBL would be something that I would certainly not want to witness. Uh, pun oh God, what if she did uh, though? That would be it'd be horrifying. I think I think it'd be pretty weird. But yeah, I do think I, I it cannot be overstated how much of a butt era we have just we're kind of coming off of right now. It has do been you like, feel like it's starting to change. Years. Yes, I do. I actually really do. I think. Do you I, think, I think like Sydney Sweeney is changing the conversation? <laughs> I think she's helping. I, I think that I think she's definitely assisting. And I think you know, there's rumors like that Kim Kardashian is re- reducing her lower half once again like you know everything's cyclical and and we'll we'll come back to to the boobs uh i i really want to pitch i've been trying to pitch for years of you know we keep vacillating between the boob era and the ass era what about neither what about if both of your what if your upstairs and downstairs is completely mediocre and equal (laughs) i was gonna say like why not both but i like how about neither why not? Can we just both? have a that, neither era. Crazy. Yeah, that's what that's what I would love. Well, I mean, well, I mean, well, you, well, you know what that is. Chicks. That's like that's the '60s. That's like the Twiggy era. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's. I mean, that's kind of a lot of the '90s. Well, and that's, I uh, think your Kate Moss well, era. 
what we're swinging back to a little bit that uh, a podcast we both listen to, Nymphed Alumni, have talked about is that like part of the aesthetics of the early 2000s coming back is that you can't read writing on a sweatpants ass when you've got a giant badonkadonk. <laughs> you need to flatten it out so you can actually see what is being written on your juicy tracksuit. So I do think that with the 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 kind of early aughts semi bimbo aesthetic i think i think we're gonna see a little bit of a switch so katie perry hang in there yeah katie hang perry could absolutely if we're gonna kind of like you know, we're kind of given some ideas of just in timberlake but i think like maybe it's just like she just has to really stick to a stop clock is right twice a day well and that was she the other has thing to I was stick with to say. it is that, you know, she's been in this very cartoonish pinup era basically since she started. You know, someone like Lady Gaga has had basically cut, got her bread and butter was just dressing extremely strangely, avant-garde, a lot of times like invoking like body horror and stuff like that. But then she pulled up she did the like joanne thing where she was basically just wearing denim cutoffs and a white t-shirt but like Katy perry's been on this kind of one track the entire time same yeah. thing as the clock is you know right twice a day it might lean from being cringe and desperate seeming into being funny if she just keeps doing this into her oh, late God. 30s, I mean, into well, her I mean, 40s, into her 50s. I do think that right. might be a I way think that's out. a really good idea. And that's kind of like where you kind of arrive at Dolly Parton. Yeah, absolutely. It, because lest we forget, Dolly Parton was a huge punchline for years just because she was, you know, plastic surgeryed out, uh, like uh, take, takes a lot of money to look this cheap kind of girl. And now the pendulum is completely swung back and everyone is like, nothing but respect for my queen. And I do, yeah. I do think that committing to the bit is sometimes it's, it's hard in the, in the moment of the flop, but it can pull you back out again. I think Cher yeah. is another so, person. So, who's like, you know, me, me, I think, yeah, I think Gaga and Cher have extremely similar careers. You can definitely mm -hmm. kind of see them like her as being a modern Cher. But mm -hmm. maybe, maybe Katy Perry is in her own way an heir to Dolly Parton, another yeah. like epic boob queen. An, an, epic, an epic boob queen. All she needs is just like. You know, I mean, I guess the real question is what when was the last Dolly Parton song that anyone cared about? Like uh Katy Perry as we, like as we hit? said before. Yeah, like a hit or even a, just any kind of like cultural influence whatsoever. Um I'm gonna say probably in the eighties somewhere. Okay. Yeah. Late so 80s. I, I would love for Katy Perry to have like maybe one one or two more like big songs and i'm sure she wa i'm sure she wants yes, it as well she, yeah, yeah i mean she <laughs> was just on siren live uh i think a very lackluster performance but you know whatever <laughs> yeah i was i heard the one song which i'm not going to remember it's something about like never going away or like never, what, never right which, which is a song that has, has kind of huge numbers on spotify is it is that right okay i mean but that song has when been I'm around gone. since 2019 wait really yeah, that's that was that's a song awesome. that was a single before. Like that was one of the ones that was kind of like kicking around well before Smile actually came out. I did not realize that. I thought that was something off of Smile. I mean, well, oh, it it's is an Alesso but it, song. It, Interesting. Yeah, the okay. yeah the Alesso song is the the current single. Okay, weird. All right. Uh, sorry, I'm just wow. I, I just pulled up the Wikipedia. It's like it, the song is a dance pop house and electro pop tune written by Katy Perry, Alessandro Lindblad, Alita Garpistad Peck, Rami Yacoub, Nathan Cunningham, Mark Sibley, and Alma Goodman. 
Wow. So many people wrote this song and it's like merely fine. Imagine. <sighs> Too many cooks. Too well, many cooks. I, I, I think we can we can wrap up this part and we'll come back for we'll, we'll wrap it all up. We're going to talk about escape from the flop era. Great. Love it. All right, this is Flopuary, the final part, part four, here with Molly O'Brien. We're still talking flops. We're flopping. We're, we're flopping you know, we're out here. Hey, we're flopping here. Flop. <laughs> <laughs> I'm flopping here. Oh my god, here. they got they gotta make someone do that. Hey, I'm flopping here. Hey, I'm flopping here. You know <sighs> what the what we haven't talked about yet, which I believe is the name of the podcast of. Uh, Britney Spanos from Rolling Stone. Don't let this flop. Oh yeah, please don't, please don't, please don't let this flop. Which uh, yeah, you know, I've heard I, EJ I, Dixon. It, I see. Oh yes, I see it. Kind of, I would say more ironically used now of like people who have like three hundred Twitter followers being like, "Fam, don't let this flop." Like, and then just make some like bad joke. I, again, I think it's the uh, the idea of trying to get get one over on the flop, which I guess is what we're we're talking about today. How to how to beat how to beat your flop. And I, yeah, I think like step one, own the flop. That's one. That's one classic way of just like you know, woo, you know, wow, just make flop, you know, man. yeah. You, well, you can kind of embrace it, let it be funny, or also just kind of like project it. I don't care. I got I, like I don't, this. This doesn't define me. Uh, one of my nonchalance is always nonchalance. good. One of my most uh, influential images that I've experienced in the past. Uh, couple of years i would say is i finally watched the movie the fugitive all through front to back like original Fabulous cut movie. because that, that movie has been on tnt and i've seen like 15 minutes of it at a time for like years and years but i never saw the whole thing and the scene where tommy lee jones like is about to try to like catch him and harrison ford is like i, I didn't kill my wife and tommy lee jones just goes I don't care <laughs> the way she says it. Uh, like it just made me so badly. I was like, I need, I need that energy in my life of both being of not caring except about the thing that you care about, which is trying to get Harrison Ford into custody. Like I'm like, I don't. I, I want to aggressively not care about anything that isn't just stuff that I that actually matters to me. You know what I mean? Yeah, but you know, also he's kind of like telling. Harrison Ford to get out of your head this doesn't matter <laughs> it's like I know that you can't stop thinking about how you're framed for killing your wife and I get it <laughs> yeah I get it it, se- it seems like it's causing you a lot of stress I don't care come here come <laughs> here uh, yeah that's that That would be the ideal way to, to acknowledge a flop is just be like well <laughs> yeah. so like, that God. happened or maybe like culture at large needs to be your Tommy Lee Jones. Yeah. Yeah. Or yeah, I, I don't care. Okay. What's next? Like, let's not dwell on it. I guess that's the uh, approaching a, a flop and just being like, listen, no hard feelings on either end. I think that happens to touring musicians where they'll come out with a record that just doesn't do that well, but they're still on tour and they're playing to audiences that are just, they're having great times every night. And like, mm-hmm. I guess it doesn't matter. Like they're like the, the people are here. Like yeah, I'm I'm getting paid. The people are enjoying the shows. You know, whatever. I mean, a lot of like older musicians like really stop adding very many new songs to their sets. 
Yeah. Which I find yeah. a little bit depressing, honestly. I, I actually have a math in my head where I feel like if you ha- if, if you're touring, you have a new record, you should probably play like five or six songs. Only playing one or two feels like you're telling the audience your your new stuff sucks. Yes, that that is absolutely acknowledging that it's not it's not uh not up to up to snuff. I was listening to interview like a couple months ago. Uh, Rod Stewart was on Time Crisis, and oh, cool! He was he was one of the people who was talking about this. Like you know, you know, he comes out these records and it's like, man, you know, I have so many hits that you know it's if you can wedge in like one or two new songs, you know, you really want to play them, but like. You, so the audience just wants to see all these songs and I want to sing them those songs. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and like the, Rod Stewart is an eager to please guy. Is, is that his vibe? Oh yeah. Rod Stewart, Rod Stewart is also super chill. It, 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 this really put uh, an urgency in my mind that like the next time Rod Stewart plays in New York city, I have to go see him. I would, I would be down for that. That I would, that yeah. seems extremely enjoyable. Yeah. Rod Stewart rules. He does so many great songs. Great voice. Does he still have his voice? voice. Oh, yeah. That's impressive. Yeah, he still has it. It's still in great shape. Um, I think like kind of starting raspy, you know, just kind of staying raspy. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. You know, you age well with it. But, you know, he still has like a, it's a a strong voice. He's just a natural singer. Yeah. And a very charismatic guy. And yeah. Oh man, that guy used to dress so well. <laughs> what, you see, like many like, like pictures of him in the seventies, because he's oh, like because yeah. he, he's rail thin. He's he's just going all the way out. Like I feel like he's also one of those rock stars who's like, this rules. <laughs> I'm just gonna <laughs> I'm just gonna hook up with models and party, and this this is great. Love it. Like he he <laughs> has he's a, he's he's one of the rock stars who has no angst. Yeah, he's, I, he's I feel like, like oh you know, nice. Maybe like a person similar in vibe is Steven Tyler, but Steven Tyler's really gone through shit. Yeah, he's had some and some real. So struggles. there's like a pathos to him. Yeah. Whereas Rod Stewart's just a guy who just never stopped winning. Like he's he <laughs> has like Rod Stewart has no flop eras. Like this came up when they were talking to him on Vamp- oh, sorry, the guy from Vampire is the host, but on Time Crisis, um, that. He's just kind of had a career where he's just gone from success to success and has so what, really had. Do you he think hasn't really had any within? like notable failures. Do you think that came from just like a combination of like talent, good choices, and like a lack of bad luck, or do you think there was something else? Yeah, and it? also maybe a good vibe. And like he, he's vibe. also, I, I think he also. We were saying before that like the the more modern approach is to avoid reinvention, to just like this is my brand and I'm doing it. And I feel yeah. like Rod Stewart's a guy. This is my brand that I'm doing it. Like yeah. he he did switch it up to be like, you know what? I'm going to make these records where I'm singing like uh, the Great American Songbook. But I feel like that's just like an extension of of his vibe rather yeah, it's than still kind done of in like, a Rod Stewart way. Yeah, so it's like I, he, he, he's, he's, his whole thing is just like his voice and interpreting songs. Like he's written a lot of great songs, but you know, ultimately he's a guy who's an interpreter. Yeah, yeah, a singer. Yeah, a, ve- a vessel <laughs> through yeah. which so, uh, into into which a song is poured. So yeah, so Rod Stewart is a good example of someone who's you know, kind of gone through a very long career without really like many downturns, mm-hmm. and part of it is just a good vibe. 
And yeah. I think, you know, you can tell people like, you know, you should have a good vibe, but having a good vibe is not really a thing you can fake. And a lot of people, you know, a lot of people fundamentally don't have a good vibe. It's not <laughs> yeah. even, a, it's not even, a, it's not even like a, uh, about their, uh, them being bad people or sucking. It's just like, you know, a lot of people are also just depressive or <laughs> yeah, super or just anxious have like people. A... Oh, yeah, just a weird attitude kind of brought on by, you know, I don't know, being becoming famous young or, you know, be, being constantly beholden to the idea of making commercially successful music. That seems like a, a real vibe crusher. I mean, that's why, like, you know, to bring it back to Taylor Swift, uh, uh, this floppuary, it's like, I think she has almost like sacrificed the commercial, like she's got the commercial savvy and a lot of talent, but like... The, you can tell how hard she's tried to make it look like she's fun to hang out with that she's actually probably not <laughs> no um, and, but it doesn't but, seem to infect it, her her <laughs> music as a or her her instinct or her uh yeah her, her brand her, is strong though her brand is very strong i think her intuition is very strong but uh when when she basically had like a two-year campaign of being like being my best friend is is a real blast. We all have. Yeah, that, that was really weird. Nightgown. It's like, like here's here's professional photos of me and all my friends who I invited. Like, and they're all models and other musicians, and they're all yeah, here I'm, at my place. Throwing the fourth. Uh, yeah, it's just, it's a little too. Yeah, it's a little too forced. Yeah, yeah. You, you know who has had nothing but success since 1993 and has had in all of that time the absolute worst vibes? Uh, who? Tom York. <laughs> Yeah, his vibes are way off. Ter- way terrible. Off. Like, absolute yeah. curmudgeon vibes. Um, <laughs> but, you know, but it, again, it's the brand. Like, it, it yeah. feels terrible to say this about Radiohead, but Radiohead have as strong a brand as Taylor Swift or Drake. Yeah. Oh, totally. And it's the people who, you know, Radiohead is their favorite band. I feel like the bad vibe is actually good. <laughs> it's, it right, might be right. Well, you're the there for the bad vibe. vibe. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you, have you ever seen the documentary Meeting People is Easy from like when they're touring for OK Computer? No, I have not. I really need it is, to. It is really one of the most draining music documentaries you'll ever oh, see. Lord. Because oh, no. it's just like them, like really just at this like incredible height of success utterly hating every minute especially him especially tom york just this this utterly depressed like hating every single moment being bitchy at all turns <laughs> it's just like <laughs> it's just like wow wow you oh, seem God. like a hard person to be around yeah it, it would almost sound like it, it's best to just limit almost limit interaction other than you know the creation and performing of the music it's i mean what when's the last time you think radiohead like all like got a beer together after a show oh you know i mean i feel like those guys are actually pretty close friends so yeah i wouldn't really rule that out there's definitely bands where like all these people do not like each other yeah i assume Um, like you two gets a beard to gets like 19 beers together after after every show maybe at the end of the tour (laughs) um i had an idea and i lost it um was it radiohead you know i i think yeah here it is (laughs) thinking of like the tom york thing watching him at this pinnacle of success be utterly miserable and i think like especially you know when that came out maybe i identify with it more as kind of like 
depressive, artsy young mm. man. But now, like deeper into my life, I think the people who I would really kind of admire more are like this, the himbos. Like, you know, like you're Rod Stewart, <laughs> for one example. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. also, like, you know, you look at like, you know, uh, David Lee Roth in his uh, glory, where mm-hmm. he's just like this guy who's just having a ball. Like all yeah. the hair metal guys, those guys are just having a ball. <laughs> you know, like, I, think I, like, I don't really right like now. a lot of that music, but it's just like yeah. there's just something about like these guys just loving it, having an awesome time. It's a it's a good vibe. You know who yeah. I think is having a ball right now, and I actually think it is reflecting in a way that is, if anything, turning public opinion around on him for the positive. I think he's having having a little bit of a like, oh wait, he's not as annoying as I thought. Is Ed Sheeran? Oh, interesting. Yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm yeah. seeing a little bit more positive sentiment about him from, I think, people who might have not have had it, like, say, two or three years ago. And I think it is, there's a really, a song I've been listening to a lot lately because it's a long story, but I went I went to a fo- uh, an American football game in England and the halftime performance was a extremely young Manchester rapper named H, spelled A-I-T-C-H. And I got into his whole catalog and it turned out he had gone on one of the uh, like Ed Sheeran collab album songs, like on a remix with Stormzy and some other guy whose name I can't remember. But he uh, there was a video for it and Ed Sheeran, it's basically just them, the the three guys having fun, driving, drinking whiskey on a tour bus, doing like donuts on like a, a, a some kind of like sport sport vehicle like in a field um you know just like r- riding around drinking uh eating eating eggs at a diner uh and it just looks <laughs> like, like scotch eggs or like scrambled yeah. <laughs> eggs <laughs> I, I think it was like a I, I, it looked almost like not a full english but like a partial english of some sort a semi-english but, um, they just look like they were having fun and specifically Ed Sheeran. And then like one of the lines in the Ed Sheeran song was he's, he's like, I made half a Billy on the divide tour. Like this is a man talk about someone who doesn't need to like uh, act like he needs to make a paycheck again. Ed Sheeran is good. I th- actually think he's in a great, po- I think he's set up in a great position to start making some like kind of fun music. That's like just for him. And then maybe along the way still hits number one, a bunch of times. Like like his more recent singles are kind of in the vein of Shape of You. That he's a little more dance vibe. He's also kind of like a little kind of like in like that uh, weekend blinding light zone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And it suits him. I feel like it's easier to get behind that guy than the guy who does like these kind of super syrupy acoustic songs. Yeah, yeah. He's. I think he's best when he's uh when he's when he's taking the piss a bit in it. <laughs> party boy ed sheeran party yeah boy. which he is and like he's a party boy yeah didn't he burn what, what, he, he got he got you? a really severe burn on his foot because he was like drunk in iceland and he stepped what? in like a lava pit <laughs> yeah that's, that seems like a, yeah 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 one of the things that, that always uh, i find interesting and maybe even heartening is that there's a significant portion of people who think ed sheeran is super super hot Mm. You wait. You think this is the thing now, or you think this is the thing that could? Oh, it's could... been. It's it's oh, been it's the case been. his whole career. Huh. Mm. I mean, oh god, I remember because because uh, he started like really getting successful when I was at BuzzFeed, and I remember one of my uh, one of the women who wrote for me, uh, Island Zafar. Hey, Island, you're mm. there. 
um she went to an ed sheeran show and was writing about it and like so much was like like she had never seen a more horny group of women in her life just people just like losing themselves just wanting to fuck ed sheeran yeah this is like the young ed sheeran not even like the full tattooed uh bad boy rock star ed sheeran Right. right Uh, but yeah, yeah, there's definitely this whole container of people who are just like super, super horned up for Ed Sheeran. Yeah. I do think it might and, be a little yeah. bit of a case of like, hey, I'm like, maybe I have a chance. Like maybe this is, you know, like I'm not like other girls. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not like the other girls, even though Ed Sheeran's been dating the same woman for like, maybe married now. Like, I think that, that the, yeah, shop I think he got married and he's having kids now, right? Yeah. The, the, the that that window of opportunity is, is no Ed Sheeran longer. has a strong dad vibe. Ed Sheeran also has, mm-hmm. uh, you know how like Paul, uh, I'm sorry, Phil Collins has his hot daughter who is uh, Emily in Paris. Lily, yes, Lily Collins. Yes, and it feels weird that Ed, that Phil Collins has a hot daughter who's a TV star. Yeah, but uh, I feel like Ed Sheeran having an ultra hot daughter who becomes a TV star or similar makes a inevitable. lot of sense oh yes. yeah for sure that's it i think that's a put put a pin in that one yeah I don't so let's say like that. 2042 yeah we're Ch- we're we'll talking ed sheeran's hot daughter <laughs> she's on like whatever like euphoria is at that point yeah maybe this kind of keep euphoria high going into in that far into the future you know it it would be nice if it was treated almost like a regular style soap opera, like a like general. Grassy? Yeah. Yeah. Just like same, or even to, to use a musical model of like the band Menudo, where you, you just age out of Menudo and then someone, some new kid, some new young boy becomes menudized. Uh, like why not just have euphoria be a continually running show that they just keep uh, aging out and replacing them and uh, doing more and more uh, lurid uh, activities for teens. <laughs> uh okay let's let's get down to the the wrap up now yeah what do you think is the the best way to get out of flop eras i mean is it just waiting it out just waiting for the vibe to return i think it depends i think i think some people it's a matter of simply going away and then coming back coming but the thing is you do have to come back better than before i actually think a good way if you've lost your touch or your taste or your sense of the zeitgeist just like working on like just getting better like having a like making your voice sound better or like you know dancing better or whatever you need to do like i mean that's what i think madonna was trying to do for a while is like i will avoid uh you know, eternal floppedom by like doing a lot of yoga. <laughs> like that, yes. that's one way of doing it. I also, yeah, I think, I think another I think way to go is, is like, is you know, way. it's like kind of going for a nostalgia direction, a nostalgia for mm-hmm. you. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that's what worked for you too, for example, of like coming back from pop and doing all that you can't leave behind and just doing like the most you two y you two that they could do too. You know, yes. like beautiful day, you know, <laughs> and walk on like this is kind of almost a cartoonish level of u2 and they just happen to hit it right where it's like the songs were there and the people were like you know what i want old u2 again and then yes. 9-11 happens like oh we really want this we need u2 we need the u2 energy but you know the culture kind of comes back to you and i, I think of, i can think of other artists who've kind of done a similar thing i think i think bon jovi has kind of had like resurgences in the similar oh, vein yeah for sure 
He even his most recent one, which I don't know, it's maybe not commercially uh, the reemergence from a flop, but are you aware that there is a Bon Jovi rest stop in, in New Jersey? Oh, that makes sense. He, there is literally a, an official John Bon Jovi uh, uh, like rest stop uh, that I think used to be the Cheesequake <laughs> rest stop. And there's a hol- there's a hologram Bon Jovi involved. Like there's it's a wow. it's, it's a whole thing. So I mean that's that doesn't sound floppy to me. That's how, that sounds like the the success is a is a rest stop status. Wow. Yeah, <laughs> I think like you know the, uh, embracing a certain crassness will get you out of it. But but then you end mm-hmm. up having to be the crass version of yourself, which I think yeah. is the Bon Jovi and U2 route to some extent. I can think of other things where it's like, or or you just go real corny. You're like, well, I got, if I do country stuff, that'll I'll have hits with country stuff, yeah. which Bon Jovi also did. Oh, interesting. I don't think I realized that he had a, a country phase. But yeah, I mean, that was definitely in, uh, a tens model. We're like, oh God. Like, and then sometimes they, they really just go all the way with it and like just become like, like right wing country like you, you know are you familiar with aaron lewis the guy from uh god oh fuck what what, what new metal band was he in was stained he in stained yeah he was in stained yeah uh the uh it's been a while that guy yeah yeah but yeah i mean he had like a, he had like a minor country hit last year that was just kind of like <laughs> like anti-mask and just be like he's just one of those oh, guys now Sure. Yeah, that's all. That is always a guy to be. You can always become uh, basically like a conservative crank, and someone will be waiting for you with open arms of like, "Oh wow, man, didn't realize you were, you you were on a bus." Imagine if Katy Perry has like a an actual trad turn where she like. I mean, if if anybody could, she. I mean, people have always kind of had a a right wing vibe in her. I mean, like a right wing, right wing vibe. Obviously, she presents. She's done a lot of lib stuff. But yeah, it, it feels like, you know, trad is definitely a big part of her energy. Mm-hmm. Isn't totally. it like, can't you easily imagine her accidentally saying something super turfy? Absolutely. Yeah. With, maybe without even realizing it or, yes. or not, not quite grasping what's going on. I can totally see that. You know, I mean, becoming a turf is, is, a, is a real flop era energy. Oh yeah, that's a that, uh, absolutely. <laughs> Your uh, J.K. Rowling <laughs> immense career sabotage. Yeah, yeah, not a good J.K. Idea. Rowling might have like one of the most powerful flop eras of all time. Yeah, which I like. I'm not sure if she's going to get out of it reputationally. You know? No, I think she's too far gone now. Yeah, it might be R.I.P. to her. So it one. really is a matter of like, well, what is what happens to the reputation of Harry Potter long term? I feel like that that feels too big to fail in a weird way. I feel like the the marketing is just going to have to have less and less to do. I mean, like my my friend's nephew is five and like just watched the first movie like it is because the matthew the millennials are going to have fucking kids and the kids right and that's their thing that's are going to be seated early with harry potter stuff because that that's a lot of millennials entire personalities so i i don't i don't see the the book series and the movies right they're not going to stop handing that down and also i mean you look at like how culture is right now and it's all like marvel and star wars and that's like real gen x energy yeah yeah yeah, it's it's unfortunate. I mean, the main the main thing I am thinking about how to get out of a flop. It's different 
uh, it's a choose your own adventure, but I do think at the end of the day, a lot of flop energy comes from losing your sense of intuition about like what makes you good and what makes people like you, uh, either because you're distracted by money or by, you know, the movement into a new kind of political era or cultural era, which was, I think, what happened to Katy Perry. And just kind of like looking in your heart and trying to figure out what makes you good in the first place and then trying to find that again, trying to find your way back to that. And it might, it might, some people might never do that. I will be curious to see if she does, for example. <laughs> on a personal level, how do you feel you can get out of a flop, a flop era on a personal, non-artistic pop star level? Non-artistic pop star level, I think leaning, to me, leaning into a flop era and like understanding like exactly where you are and like not, not scrambling to try to fix it. You know, I've, I've had personal flop errors in my life and like once I've had the realization that like oh wait a second like this is (laughs) things are not going good but to be the worst thing you can do is panic and then get into a like spiral basically about how poorly things are going and how you know you start to feel like you don't have any influence on your own life whatsoever and someone else is in the driver's seat that's all bad. I think you just got to ride it out and be like, all right, I'm going to flop for a little bit. Of, uh, that's, that's simply what's going to happen. And maybe, yeah. you know, try to try to make some lifestyle choices to like not change your life, but maybe pull the emergency break <laughs> so you can stop doing the things that maybe got you there in the first place. That's yeah. I, I mean, I feel like in, in my life, like the flop errors are really like very career based and they're things that are kind of like outside of control and a thing that you just have to realize is like well if things are external you kind of have to wait for external things to change and it sucks to have to wait things out but things do eventually kind of shift another shoe drops i mean i think it's different when a lot of your flop era is because of you know self-destructive behavior things like that that's a much harder thing to kind of talk out of a little glib to even apply the flop era necessarily to that yeah yeah but um but yeah i think like broadly sometimes you just have to wait it out you just have to wait out the flop era i think in any context if you're in a flop era it's because you've already had a success and success does set you up for further successes one way or another mm-hmm. yes yeah i it's once that you know what do they, what do they say when it rains it pours <laughs> yes <laughs> they're not they're not wrong when they say that i i i think yeah well molly i think we've 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 done it we've we've moved all the way through the flop era don't let this We're, flop we we will not let this flop <laughs> we, molly where can we people find you uh they can find me in several places i have a podcast called and introducing which is found where all the podcasts are generally found. It's about music writing, words about music. I have a secondary podcast called Infinite Cast, where I am reading the book Infinite Jest to my husband directly on the air, creating the world's longest and most spaced out uh, audiobook of all time, I think, maybe. Uh, it feels feels like it, certainly right now. Uh, and then I'm also just on Twitter. How deep are you in Infinite Mary. Cast right now? We're, like, where we're are more you than halfway book? through the book, but we've been doing it for <laughs> over a year. We, I think we're on page 550 something out of like a thousand and eight pages. So yeah. Yep. (laughs) Uh, But we'll finish it eventually. We will certainly not flop in that sense. At the end of the day, the best thing you can do to not flop is set a goal, stick to it and achieve it. Am I right? Yes. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for doing this. Thank you for having me. All right. All right.